0: Okay, we are recording for Contrarian's Corner for Watchmen. For episode 100. 100 episodes.
1: Well, there's been more than that, far more than that, but 100 numeric episodes. We've come uh, from fall of 2014 (laughs) all the way up until now, starting with A Nightmare Before Christmas. Yes. A lot of roads traveled and a lot of movies covered, a lot of uh, best picture uh, winners and nominees, and uh, plenty of worst picture winners and nominees, and pretty much everything in between. And here comes the boom. <laughs> We've done it all. Uh, but that brings us to the 2009, I don't know, I wouldn't say misunderstood. I'm not really sure. It's just a movie that exists. Controversial? I it's not even that. It's just like <laughs> a movie that's there, and it just kind of exists. It's- and uh, it made a lot of movie uh, a lot of money its opening weekend, excuse me. Um, and we've referenced it to with no surcease during the history of this podcast I think
0: it's <laughs> following the the theme of this month
1: yes I think it was uh proper that w- you know I don't know if we could pinpoint one movie to kind of encapsulate our uh uh mission statement but I think watchman is definitely a fitting episode 100 main thing is it's right after episode 99 in which we covered a movie that uh was also three hours long, so we had to break the tradition of midweek recording for a Saturday session of this. Uh, we watched the director's cut, so I think it clocked in about three hours and six minutes, if I read correctly.
0: All the more goodness. I I'm never gonna say no to more Zack Snyder. As you should. That that said, we kind of put off uh, the five-hour version.
1: Yeah, whatever the ultimate cut is, however long that is. I only have so much time on this planet. (laughs) Uh, So if this is your first time listening to the Contrarians, we do appreciate y'all giving us a try. If you're a returning customer, as always, we appreciate it. But to fill you newbies in on what we do here, uh, we like to say we rage against the Rotten Tomatoes machine. Find a movie on Rotten Tomatoes that is very highly rated, usually 85% and up, those certified fresh joints. Make a case for the bad in them. Uh, or why they shouldn't be regarded so highly, take them down a peg. And uh, on the inverse, we'll find uh, movies that are usually about 35% below the, the rotten movies, the nasty green splotches, and kind of argue a case for their merit. However. <laughs> However, for the odds, the 10, 20, 30, 40, 50, 60, 70, 80, 90, and now 100 episodes, we tackle movies that we refer to as a gray area.
0: We've had uh, Natural Born Killers. A-Team. Scream, the A-Team. Scream 4. Scream 4. The Mummy.
1: So for those, we usually stick between 40 to 60%, uh, 70 percent ish Kind of in the middle, the ones that don't really fit into our gimmick. Uh, so for this, Watchmen being 64% on Rotten Tomatoes kind of fits right in there. Um, Walter Mitty, we did. Yeah. yeah. Watchmen, 64%. So for these, for our Otts episodes, Julio and myself take opposing stances. Uh, Typically, we're united in our uh, contrarian nature, but for these, um, we alternate. One will attack and the other will defend. Uh, But if you want to know our real, true thoughts on this movie, and for any of our episodes, the second half always comes into play. That's what we refer to as real talk, where we actually discuss how we feel about this. And I I think both uh, sides of this coin will be pretty interesting.
0: Yes. Uh, Last time, for episode 90, which was Never Been Kissed, I attacked and Alex defended. So now we're flipping it. Yes.
1: So I will be gleefully attacking Zack Snyder's 2009 Watchmen while Julio defends it. But with 64%, it doesn't mean the critics were necessarily completely divided, but it does mean there was dissension uh, in agreement. So Julio, what were who and what were they saying?
0: Well, uh, as we do in these special gray area episodes, I have a mix of positive and negative quotes, uh, both fresh and rotten tomatoes uh, from the Rotten Tomatoes website. Uh, Starting with Nikki Bohan from Roll Credits, who says The essence of what made Alan Moore's tale a work of genius is up on the screen for all to see, and it looks phenomenal. Positive? Yes uh matthew lucas from the dispatch lexington New- north carolina says an obnoxious bloated ghastly piece of brightly colored pop trash negative <laughs>
1: I, I don't know if he read the book
0: <laughs> mike edwards on the positive side from what culture says this is not just a great superhero film it's an important political debate
1: there is nothing positive about what culture <laughs> fuck them
0: really you fuck, actually know fuck fuck what
1: culture yeah fuck those guys I'm sorry. Should we
0: strike them from the record?
1: <laughs> <laughs> no, that's fine. But I just want to say, yeah, it doesn't surprise me that they would be over the moon about Watchmen. But <laughs> fuck what culture. Uh,
0: Karina Montgomery from Arena says, Watchmen should not have been made into a movie, at least not this movie. But I do hope you fanboys enjoy your three-hour music video of your favorite graphic novel. Um,
1: <laughs> it's fitting the first gray air episode we did was natural born killers and that was also critiqued for being an elongated music video
0: hey okay. the more things change uh, frank Oakchian from movie eye
1: it's pronounced frank ocean
0: frank ocean <laughs> and fuck movie eye <laughs> fuck them um uh, he says a nearly 3-hour orgy of orchestrated violent vibrancy designed to perpetuate a whole new appreciation for ambitious and conventional superhero expositions robustly confrontational and impishly raw
1: imp- With... I do I do appreciate the use of impish
0: <laughs> impishly that like, that's Zack Snyder such an imp Finally, one last negative, Brian Fraser from Brian Fraser's Deep Focus says, I spent most of the movie scorning Snyder's reverence to the original, then spent the last half hour resenting him for changing my favorite part. He
1: That sounds like someone who went into it with their mind made up about it.
0: Yeah, it sounds like like the rotten score goes to Brian Fraser's objectivity, yeah. not the movie.
1: <laughs> he just admits, there was no way I was going to like this.
0: Fuck Brian Fraser. <laughs> the fuck does he think he is?
1: So, of course, Watchmen is based off the uh, series and also uh, revered graphic novel uh, that was released in the 80s, written by Dave Gibbons and Alan Moore.
0: Visionary comic book writer, Alan Moore.
1: Very nice, friendly, uh, perpetually positive, uh, glasses half full type of guy, Alan Moore. As you
0: can tell from his masterpiece.
1: Yes. And... uh, so if you haven't read the graphic novel, I do recommend you do so before seeing the movie because there's definitely some uh, interesting contrast to it. And it's quite possible you could be a bit lost if you haven't read the book.
0: I don't know. I Obviously, I can't have that experience uh, because I read the graphic novel before watching yeah, the Yeah, I made a point to read
1: it before, we, uh, before it came out. But much like the book, the movie begins in a high-rise apartment <clears throat> in New York City where Jeffrey Dean Morgan sits with his silver lined mustache puffing on a cigar, living without a care in the world. And Negan. yeah, whatever <laughs> you know, I'm from, he's the accidental husband. Uh, an intruder breaks in and just, they get into this fucking choreographed fight scene. And uh, this so begins Zack Snyder's uh, masturbation playlist uh, throughout the movie where it's just basically, you know, Whatever he's heard in the shower that morning, he just shoehorns into the scene that he's um, directing at the time.
0: This is how you open a movie, though. This is just in your face.
1: Unexplained uh, action right off the bat.
0: Well, From the, the movie's three hours. I mean, we'll have time to catch up. But right it now, is, it, just, it just gets you in the gut right away. Jeffrey Dean Morgan, uh, yes, he was not Negan back then. Snyder plucked him out of obscurity. And well,
1: then we didn't even know who the fuck he was. We're like, why do we care that this guy gets killed?
0: <laughs> because it's such a badass action scene. It must be important if he's shot with such style. What's the song that plays uh, here? <laughs> that's, like... gonna
1: be on, that's the obituary for Zack Snyder. <laughs> it must be important if it's shot with such style.
0: It's not like he's throwing slow mo at everything.
1: <laughs> Him and McG, man. <laughs> that, that, when they like. They have opening movies on the same weekend. It's going to be like the scene in uh, Endgame when the two sides just charge at each other. Everybody with just lens the flares theater. and, like, bad music.
0: <laughs> Everybody walking to the theater in slow motion in really tight outfits. Um, no, this is uh, this is badass. And I, I really like the aesthetic of it, which, of course, carries through the entire movie. But just the muted colors and then the... Uh, just the fact that the comedian who seems like a regular guy is punching through walls mm-hmm. that's just that's just max of desperation just from minute 1 uh it, that's that's the the feeling that you're going to get through the entire movie so great opening
1: so yeah he gets beat up he has the the smiley face button the legendary the iconic yellow smiley face he gets punched in the face and uh his blood drips down onto it and that's the if you've ever seen anything to do with watchmen you know that image Thrown out the window of his apartment, falls and dies. Cut to Real Talk, Contrarian's Corner, on the street, in the office, no matter where we have this discussion. What
0: what cinema, whatever that website was.
1: What culture? What culture. We'll never dispute the keystone achievement of Zack Snyder's career is the opening credits here uh, for The Watchmen, basically giving you the history of the Minutemen, which were the precursor, the
0: the prelude. The the proto-Watchmen.
1: The proto-Watchmen. And basically brings us up to present day, shows us the wars that these people have been involved in set to Bob Dylan's the times they are a changing. So I will give you this, this four to five minutes of, uh, uh, film cinema is the word I was looking for. I was trying to think of Scorsese's, uh, verbiage. Uh,
0: this is, I mean, the best thing that could could have happened to Bob Dylan. (laughs) The best thing that could have happened to Bob Dylan.
1: Yes. I went to my shelf and, uh, don't look back. The Criterion <laughs> release, I just threw it out the window. I said, I've got Watchmen now, damn it.
0: That's all you need. That this When you walk into Dylan Manor, <laughs> just the opening of Watchmen, is playing on a loop. <laughs> <laughs> he was uh, he was in talks to play Rorschach. But then, of course, uh, Freddy Krueger had to pull some strings to get himself the role.
1: Jack Yulahaly was busy at this point in time. He had Semi-Pro This and then Nightmare on Elm Street. <laughs> And then the phone stopped ringing. Speaking of which, he is the second character we're introduced to. Um, he is the only character that has any narration throughout the movie, correct?
0: Uh, yes. Well, no, no. Well, kind of. Uh, Dr. Manhattan gets his origin sequence. He narrates his
1: origin sequence, but the actual in real time shit is only narrated by Rorschach. Yes. Yeah. Batman. It's, the uh, real Batman. Exactly. Reading from his, uh, his journal, which the way he speaks, he speaks... He talks like Kevin on that cold open of The Office where he just stops using like adverbs and shit. <laughs> and so he sounds incredibly illiterate. So I don't know how he's able to write. Uh, he
0: just figured out that that's how you save time.
1: <laughs> yeah, I guess.
0: He's a busy man.
1: He's roaming around. He just wanders into the crime scene where the comedian was killed, or excuse me, Jeffrey Dean Morgan, who we later find out is codenamed the comedian. That's his superhero name. He just wanders into this crime scene and is just looking around. It's a fucking murder scene. No okay. cops anywhere nearby. It was a,
0: on our last numeric episode. You were over the moon. You couldn't help yourself. You had to bring up the Dark Knight trilogy. Oh, yeah. Okay, so why is it so cool when Batman does it? And then when Rorschach does it, it's roaming around like, he, like it's none of his business.
1: Well, for one, Bruce Wayne, or Batman, excuse me, has an in with the, the Gotham police force. so That makes
0: this more impressive. <laughs> Rorschach is just some random... Redhead guy he doesn't even
1: have any wings on his suit, and he's just like scaling these buildings.
0: Well, he has the the the. That's the what I'm saying. He's the got, hook but gun. if
1: that thing malfunctions, he's he's gonksy.
0: Again, he's not spoiler rich, alert, no. Spoiler alert! He's got this it.
1: this morphing, like transforming mask that's never explained in this movie at all.
0: It's a little bit of mystery goes a long way.
1: Okay, we're then introduced to Night Owls one and two, uh apparently much like in. Uh, The tradition of Mexican professional wrestling when the original retires, they just hand the gimmick down and name the next one two. So, or or Dos. Dos. Yeah. So we have Night Owl 2, who is a contrarian's favorite, Patrick Wilson. Trying to remember the actual uh, name
0: Dan something.
1: Because they all have their uh, gimmick names and their shoot names. Patrick Wilson, Daniel Driedberg, who plays Night Owl 2, and he looks more than anyone else in this movie, like, period appropriate, but I would still believe he owns all that clothing he's wearing and those glasses he wears.
0: It's uh, Patrick Wilson dressing down as a slob, right? He's gained a a few pounds. He has a dad He put on
1: some LBs for this one. That's Um, that's true.
0: Wearing glasses and has a nerdy hairdo. Basically, I've never seen him like that before. No. Which is great. Props to Patrick Wilson for going with the metamorphosis for Watchmen. Because it seriously. He's
1: just a fucking dork. Like he's just a nerd and he's hanging but, but out. But he
0: could have played anyone. This is the thing. I mean, he left the ego at the door and he's like, I'm gonna play the unflattering. He physical. could have just
1: like he could have gotten shredded and they painted him blue and he would have been <laughs> Dr. Manhattan. <laughs> yes. Yeah. So he's just a, a nerd, single dude hanging out with uh Hollis Mason, who played or who was Night Owl One, excuse me. And even the old dudes, just like, you know, you don't have to, like, come hang out with me. <laughs> you should probably be, like, looking for a girlfriend or something. And cut to Ozymandias, who... Is it Matthew Good, Is that the yes. actor's name? Okay. He's really good. Just a rich douchebag. He's also, like, I guess one of the smartest people on the planet.
0: Yes. Yeah. Uh, as, as proven by the end of the movie. Um. So if Rorschach is Batman and Night Owl is Batman... <laughs> <laughs> right, they're like two sides of the same coin. Rorschach is the brutal side of Batman. Night Owl is the the tech side of Batman. Yeah, right? with with all his gadgets. And then uh, Ozymandias is uh, Tony Stark, right? Oh uh, yeah, okay, the they shit. have to be good guys. I was gonna say <laughs> like
1: the Riddler because he speaks in circles.
0: <laughs> well, everybody thinks he's a good guy though.
1: That's fair. Speaking of the goodest of the good, this first. About forty-five minutes is basically just a um, a lasagna of layers of building our characters up, and we do meet the ominous, uh, omnipotent Doctor Manhattan. Superman. It, the the Superman is real, and he's American, <laughs> according to this movie, uh, played by Billy Crudup. Like one of the like the favorite. best looking white dudes in the world. And of course, they don't even use his face except for like a five minute excerpt of the movie.
0: Again, everybody left their egos at the door. <laughs> uh, up says, as long as the dick is mine, you can CGI the rest of my body.
1: That was his uh, audition. You just <laughs> z- drop trout, drink it in. How yeah. does it
0: look in blue?
1: He uh, he painted it blue, <laughs> like just like an elephant extra tusk. <laughs> Yeah. Yeah. Uh, up until this point, all this is kind of like you can suspend disbelief a little bit, and then there's just this glowing blue man.
0: Well, I like that it builds up to that. You That's know? the big we, reveal. We, yeah, we started with with just the the guy that has the the least impressive guy Mm -hmm. the guy that just has like a Rorschach mask uh, a Rorschach test for a mask and now we you know within 20-25 minutes now we're just a guy that is basically a god
1: yeah and speaking of Rorschach the way we're introduced all these characters is because of him basically visiting them to try to figure out you know what the fuck's going on or there it's all intertwined this is pretty much Rorschach's story we follow him Uh, most closely
0: he believes that uh, somebody's targeting all superheroes because superheroes are being outlawed by now.
1: He's also massively paranoid.
0: Yes. He's most joint every few scenes and then he gets. <laughs>
1: <laughs> he can't help but just wonder who's looking at him. <laughs> yeah. And he keeps his fucking coat, his collar up all the time. So he always <laughs> thinks someone's right behind him. Uh, Silk Spectre, Laurie, Malin Anchorman, uh, uh, for the intents and purposes of this movie, we'll call her the Albatross. <laughs>
0: She is. She she has the the hardest job in this movie because she is the one female character of of any consequence. Uh, There's a couple other female characters that come in. You're acting like.
1: Contrarian's icon, Carla Gugino, doesn't return to the silver screen for this.
0: She is there, but just it's basically a cameo, a glorified cameo.
1: She's either getting raped or drunk. Those are her two uh, actions in
0: this movie. That sounds like Righteous Kill, (laughs) which we love. (laughs) That's true. God, Carla, (laughs) get at us, girl. Fire your agent.
1: So through this, though, with Malin Ankerman and Silk Spectre Laurie, whatever the hell we're going to be calling her, it's revealed that her and... Dr. Manhattan are a romantic item.
0: Yes, they're a couple. And I, I like, I, for
1: multi, a multitude of reasons, I wonder how that works.
0: But that's something that. Like,
1: what do they talk about?
0: It, <laughs> well, I thought you were talking about the physical angle, which is something that every comic book fan worth his salt, his salt. Women don't wonder about these things. <laughs> um, has there. always wondered about, like, Superman, Lois Lane, how's that work? Right? Mm-hmm. And this movie shows us. <laughs> yeah and and so it's pretty provocative. I, I, he can like clone himself. So like Yeah. Yeah. You would do it if you had the power. <laughs> Fuck yeah. Yeah. I, I like that they tackled that in the middle of this big who done it, who killed a comedian, and <laughs> this whole political uh thriller of sorts because the whole thing is that this is happening while the US and Russia are on the brink of nuclear war.
1: It's uh, in the mid eighties and um the biggest like uh Revisionist history, not revisionist history, but um, I forget the actual phrase they use, but what they've done to kind of, it's an alternate reality in which uh, Watergate never happened and Nixon got elected for a third term.
0: Right. Because basically Dr. Manhattan happened. Correct. Once Dr. Manhattan was created, he won Vietnam. And now, which to me, it's great because one of the greatest things that this movie does is that it just shows you that no matter which way, which path we take, we're all fucked. Yeah. It's like win Vietnam, lose Vietnam, we end up with Trump as a president. As a president, I mean, it's just there is you can't uh, overcome I mean, yeah, human. yeah, we win nature.
1: Vietnam and Tricky Dick still is in office. So it's,
0: yeah, yeah, there's there's no winning.
1: Kennedy still got assassinated.
0: Yes, uh, so it's either Oswald or the comedian. Either way, it just it still happens. Everything still happens. Uh, so. So in the middle of all this, the the story still takes the time to explore the things that everybody that has any sort of love or curiosity for the superhero genre um, has wondered. So what is it like when a superhero that's basically a god dates a mortal human? Uh, or,
1: and more pressing how do they fuck? It,
0: yes. <laughs> Thank God they got Zack Snyder, who's not afraid to go there. <laughs> he is not. Several times. <laughs> he wants to make sure you understand it.
1: And he'll make sure to uh, whatever song that was on his <laughs> iPad that m- or iPod, excuse me, that morning. He'll make sure to set said fucking to that music, yeah. And then like Silk Spectre gets annoyed as with anyone would with um, Doctor Manhattan. He talks like Chris Evans's character in London. He's just like super pretentious and talks down and over to people, and so she gets annoyed. And, uh, she like goes out to dinner with uh, Patrick Wilson. Here, fairly early in the movie, and he's just like, All right, whatever. Like, I guess that's the point of Dr. Manhattan, though. He can, like, see the future.
0: Yeah, he he experiences time differently than us. So, Dr. Manhattan kind of, like, sets it up. He says, Hey, this is going to happen. Yeah. <laughs> You're going to go out to dinner with Dan.
1: And not kidding, 99 Red Balloon starts playing.
0: That's okay. Don't you like that song, Alex? And,
1: and I do, but, like, my notes here it's soundtrack, comma, Snyder's J.O. playlist. <laughs>
0: that's
1: what I have in my notes. So, I don't know what her age is supposed to be in the the real time, which I believe is 1985 is where this is actually set. And there's flashbacks to Nam and, you know, uh, 60s and things like that. But in 1985, where we're set, I don't know how old Malin Ankerman's character is supposed to be, but I get the impression she's probably younger than everyone by like at least a decade
0: well when they in the flashbacks dr marhaddon refers to her as a, as a young girl or a very young girl which is disturbing as i say it out loud yes <laughs> but
1: as he eyes are up and down yeah <laughs> licking his front teeth uh i i would guess she's probably like mid-20s but she's definitely she's a young woman and all of this is kind of just fucking with her i mean obviously getting into a relationship with um a supernatural being the likes of which the galaxy had never seen before i'm sure will will play tricks on your mind if you're 25 or 55
0: yeah but the younger you are then the less prepared you're he might have been her first uh, serious relationship so mm-hmm. that's that's rough um because on top of that you know she's the daughter of uh the original silk specter another like
1: oh that's right that's another luchador yeah, yeah, yeah. gimmick that was handed down
0: ekis dos Equis. <laughs> she's silk specter 2 um
1: Viano Four.
0: So she's—it's just already like a, like a child actress whose mother was a revered actress, mm-hmm. and then she starts dating Tom Cruise.
1: Yeah. So as any person would do, that's close to their parents, she goes to her uh, mother for advice and wherever, whichever retirement home Carla Gugino's in they Florida.
0: Says she's sixty-seven, and yeah,
1: that's like she's looking like Gugin- a Michelle Pfeiffer sixty-seven. Yeah,
0: Gugino, even with like old woman makeup, she's still Carla Gugino. You oh, can't yeah. hide that. Still pulls
1: it off. Uh, yeah, but th- she's, she's like, mom, what do I do? And Car- fucking Carla Gugino doesn't care. She's just getting sauced. She's old and does that old person speech about like every day. I wish I was dead. What do you want me to do?
0: <laughs> but then she shows her it's something else, like another wonderful. Oh, she shows her fucking world. like,
1: uh, <laughs> yeah. a, a animated porno that she was in.
0: That's great. That's again, that's the more accurate reflection of what this world, our world, uh, grim and gritty as it is what it would do with superheroes
1: but uh yeah she does the old person speech of like she's like i heard uh the comedian died eddie poor eddie and she's like well after all he did to you blah 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 and she's like listen i'm old as fuck every day is worse <laughs> every day you get closer and closer and you realize what really matters and what really doesn't it's a very odd speech to give when it leads into the following scene the flashback a flashback to when the Minutemen uh, were first formed.
0: We're taking their graduation picture.
1: Yes. And Carla Gino back in her day, I mean, Maude and she was good looking. I mean, and... Uh, that costume. Yes. And Jeffrey Dean Morgan realizes this. And then goes to hit on her fairly aggressively. And she says no, which is understandable. And then what unfolds is, like, you think you're watching a superhero movie <laughs> I mean, there's a certain expectation you go into these things with. There's at no point in Endgame that I expect Bruce Banner to just start decking uh, Scarlett Johansson in the face.
0: But I think that it's – okay, so number one, the movie never makes an attempt to turn the comedian, Jeffrey Dean Morgan, into any sort of sympathetic figure. So you know do that he's that an asshole anyone? from the beginning. Maybe Night Owl? I think Night Owl is probably – and Rorschach to a point. Ah. Um, so so you know that you're, you're watching – the bad guy attacked a woman. So it's not, you know, you're not supposed to be with him. And then I I actually appreciated that it didn't pull its punches, no pun intended, when it came to <laughs> depicting violence against anybody. Uh, you know, I think that just because it's a female character, it doesn't mean that you have to suddenly grant them this special, like, uh, uh, you know, immunity from, like, all the ugly things that happen to everybody else. It's It's kind of like, level in the field right it's like this horrible thing happens to her or almost happens to her and the movie depicts it in as horrifying a way as 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 it should it so doesn't sugarcoat the fact that the comedian almost raped her
1: certainly you know? does not so she he tries to make a move on her she says no he persists she punches him so then he beats the shit out of her and then attempts to rape her but one of the other um minute comes in and sees what's going on and then Justifiably so, beats the shit out of Jeffrey Dean Morgan.
0: There you go. So, see, you know,
1: point being previous to this, she said, Poor Eddie, they show this, and then it goes to his funeral where we're supposed to feel bad about him. And Um, it's,
0: uh,
1: I don't know if it cuts directly to it,
0: it cuts to the American flag.
1: Well, yeah. Well, he was a decorated war hero. They showed him gunning (laughs) down all those innocent people in Vietnam. Yeah, the whole first hour of the movie's set up it's designed around the comedian and his death.
0: Did you get uh did you get echoes of uh, Superman's funeral at the end of uh Dawn of Justice? I've tried to also directed by Zack Snyder. You
1: don't say. I've tried to block <laughs> most of that out of my memory. Uh It works
0: a lot better here.
1: I don't know why. One thing I one scene I hadn't thought about since we saw Dawn of Justice that I th- thought of during this for whatever reason is that scene where like amy adams just in her full clothing jumps into the bathtub with superman
0: <laughs> because <laughs> i think Zack snyder achieved peak sexiness on the screen here with Watchmen, and then anytime he tried to recreate it in subsequent it got weird. movies it just it you just can't do it yeah once you go blue penis where else do you go after that
1: yeah the whole movie the f- first hour the whole movie uh is designed around these bad characters and the first hour focuses pretty much on the comedian. And then it climaxes at his funeral in which it's kind of the movie's way and also in the book, of course, it's the way of explaining how they all came together is kind of through their experiences with the comedian. Dude was a bad man.
0: Okay, so he was a bad man. But also, I think the movie makes it very clear that he was, out of everybody there, he was the only one who had a pretty good idea of how fucked up the country was mm-hmm. and the world. It doesn't justify any of the things that he did, but <laughs> he, he was also the only one who had his eyes wide open. There's a moment where uh, Night Owl, Night Owl does, uh, goes, what happened to us? What, what happened, happened to the, the American, American dream? dream? <laughs> and and it would be ridiculous if you didn't have the comedian right in front of him to just look at him like, you're a fucking idiot. <laughs>
1: He does, yeah. He says it came true. This is it, right? Yeah. As the uh, Simon and Garfunkel "Sound of Silence" plays in the background.
0: God, what a soundtrack, dude! You can make fun of it all you <laughs> want, but it's still. Don't tell me that you wouldn't just play it in a second. As soon as I walked out of the store, you're gonna play the Watchmen soundtrack.
1: <laughs> so we learn how they all came together. Uh, we see flashbacks to Vietnam and how it was won with uh, Doctor Manhattan and the comedian. Yeah, he's a bad dude, but it, it kind of ties together and you understand all these characters' relationships at this point. Following the funeral, moving on into the second portion of the movie, uh, Moore develops with this Dr. Manhattan, uh, Silk Spectre, Dose, and Night Owl love triangle.
0: This is this is the sex scene. The first sex scene.
1: I don't know why the line from the comic always stuck with me. about She talks about licking his fingers like licking a battery. Because yes. I think it's just so <laughs> weird and unsexy. Because
0: it's so memorable. Yeah. But yeah,
1: he's basically just, he's got his proxy making love to her and he's actually in his office doing work. So she goes out to spend time with Night Owl. He, he just, he has no time for the pleasures of the flesh. Uh, he's going to be on whatever it, the big talk show is.
0: It's the burden of being a Superman. Yeah. Really. It's At some point, sex just stops being appealing and instead you, you move on to, I guess, more stimulating, intellectually stimulating uh, things. Like being on a talk show. Yeah, he's
1: on you know whatever the equivalent of twenty twenty or sixty minutes would have been at the time, and they're asking him questions about his past. And then there's some reporter in the crowd who accuses him of giving people cancer and all this. And
0: they ask him uh, what he thinks of the MCU. They just they totally blindside him.
1: (laughs) They ask him if he thinks they're true cinema or not. (laughs) Yeah, it's he's overwhelmed by questions. Then also the accusation that he gives these people cancer, uh, and with war imminent. He is America's top line of defense, but on this talk show appearance, he comes across as incredibly emotionally unstable, and so it obviously creates great unrest and concern. Yeah, around. they bring
0: the the. It's just so it's so cheap, it, and it's just. I mean, of course, it captures the nature of a sensationalistic, uh, TV perfectly, right? Because they're like, "Did you hear that? You gave your uh, your." Ex girlfriend cancer. He's like, "What? No. Well, let's see who we have behind the door." <laughs> they it's break, very Jerry Springer. Yeah, they wheel out the the ex girlfriend, and then she takes off her <laughs> wig. Custom
1: Powers just comes right out. You
0: motherfucking son of a bitch! <laughs> uh,
1: that segues into our Dark Manhattan origin story, which is like this short film just splorped right in the middle of this three hour epic, and which we finally get fifties. Uh, quaffed hair Billy Crudup.
0: It made us wait for him, but it was worth it.
1: You thought he was a panty dropper and almost famous. My God.
0: Wait till he shaves a mustache. Yes.
1: And we get the story of how he basically got stuck, caught in a nuclear reactor and it through the power of radiation and a little bit of sugar spice and everything that's <laughs> nice. He became the <laughs> free dick swinging blue superpower we know today.
0: My favorite aspect of, uh, of his origin story is that uh, the aforementioned ex-girlfriend, who at the time is his girlfriend, when the door closes on him...
1: She makes it about herself. <laughs>
0: she takes off.
1: <laughs> she looks at him and is like, sorry, I can't. And then takes off running. Yeah. Because the- it's going to be traumatic for her to watch him be uh, vaporized.
0: Well, you know, it's 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 a very uh, uh, human reaction, which I appreciate. Not everybody's perfect. Alex, not everybody can just... Be there <laughs> for for those who need him. Uh, sometimes you just bolt. You just don't have it in you.
1: And then we learned that he's still a dude in his heart. So as soon as he saw Malin Ankerman in that Silk Spectre outfit at the first Watchmen meeting, he was like, <laughs> as soon as what's up?
0: That very young girl, yes. as, he, as he mentioned.
1: And that kind of catches us up to today. So snap back to reality. I hope there goes gravity. Back yeah. at Ozymandias headquarters. Oh, well, he's in
0: Mars now. That ends with him in Mars.
1: That's correct because he goes to Mars for his reflections. So uh, there's so many memes on the internet of him on Mars about you know I'm tired of this world and all that shit. There that's is- where he goes for solitude because you know what, especially in 1985, ain't no one gonna be able to go <laughs> up there and fuck with him.
0: Uh, that's that's ju- yet one more way to measure the success, the cultural success of a movie is just are there memes, <laughs> 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 especially all these years later.
1: But back in the real world of 1985, there's an attempted hit on Ozzie Mandeus at his uh, office. Not even a good one. Like, it's. I uh, mean,
0: a bunch of people get, get hit, but it's not the, 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 the intended actual target. target. Yeah.
1: But it's one of those things you see in, like, all these mob movies and shit. This dude has, like, a package, and so you think he's going to have a <laughs> shotgun under it. And he just drops the package and then pulls, like, a snub nose from his back pocket.
0: Misdirection, Alex. I'll get you every time. Idiot. So, yeah, uh, he.
1: He shoots uh, Ozzy Mendez's secretary, and then some other businessman that's there gets shot right between the eyes. Ozzy takes him down. Dude has a cyanide capsule of some sort and offs himself.
0: But uh, but it gives uh Ozymandias just like a chance to to be a badass hero. Because up till now, we've only seen him do speeches. You uh, definitely
1: did- yes, we see what his qualifications of being a watchman are <laughs> right he's incredibly fast his reflexes are ridiculous
0: and he he can put on the voice mm-hmm. uh, and just go who sent you
1: yeah who do you work for
0: give me back my son
1: <laughs> rorschach continues investigation uh of everything that's going on because again he's super paranoid he turns out to be the one that's right but we don't know that yet and he's trying to figure out who put the hit out on ozzy mandeas because people are trying to kill you know uh I think he says something like they're trying to kill masks or superheroes or something. So he finds the uh, neighbor from Honey, I Shrunk the Kids (laughs) and says, you know, hey, you work at the place this guy's from. What do you know? Because he's also a former like supervillain. Right. Moloch. Moloch. Yeah. Uh, And he knows nothing. But this was all a ruse set up. It was uh, the wool was pulled over his eyes. It was was hoodwinked. It, it leads.
0: it leads to one of my favorite moments in the movie something again that you don't see very often in, in superhero movies in general which is the
1: someone using a match and hairspray to fight <laughs> off police
0: right before that the meltdown when he realizes that he stepped into a trap <laughs> no 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 yeah, like, no 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 stupid stupid <laughs> he, Rorschach pretty much shit his pants when the police start calling he realizes that he's trapped uh, and then he still puts up a fight mm-hmm. uh, but Unlike what you'd expect from your average superhero movie, he doesn't win. No. he He's captured.
1: So they take Rorschach down. They, uh, I guess the most pressing thing is his public identity is exposed at this point. And I don't even think um, any of the other Watchmen knew who he was. Nobody. No, Walter because they,
0: they walk past him several That's times right. during the movie, and they don't realize that the the ginger with the sign. <laughs> I, and- I did fucking love when the cops were taking him down. One of them was like, Christ, he stinks. <laughs> Because he's a, f- a homeless person. I mean, if if Batman wasn't rich, and even Batman must think on those nights that he stays out for like a week. <laughs> yeah. And, and he doesn't come in back to rain. that cave. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, Alfred can only give him a sponge bath when he's back. So <laughs> the times that he stays out.
1: So Rorschach is now in prison <clears throat> or jail. No, that would be prison. That's not that's not counting where he's at. And... uh we get his backstory, which is essentially he began as a vigilante. Just he would uh, wrangle up criminals and leave him for the cops to take care of. And then he came across one really brutal case of this guy kidnapped a six year old girl, killed her, chopped her up, fed her to his dogs. Rorschach comes across that and then brutally murders said kidnapper.
0: OK, so this is Zack Snyder basically making us look in the mirror. Because do not tell me that you did not want that to happen. When it's revealed what that piece of shit guy did to that little girl, wouldn't you wish that you'd been the one there with the cleaver? I
1: did not need to see his head and face being completely dismembered, nor did I need to see the little girl's leg being chewed up. Once
0: again, in, in for a penny, in for a pound. Zack Snyder has already made the commitment to, to not if he's gonna show us uh, uh, the brutal courtship of the comedian and Silk Spectre, then he needs to show us everything. <laughs> so, I, I I I appreciate it. There's there's a fine line between not showing because you think it's tasteful and not showing because you're just kind of being a coward about showing something real. If you're gonna make me imagine what uh, Rorschach did to this guy, it then sh- just show it to me. It shows
1: his descent. I'll say that much. But now that he's in prison, there's so many people there that are there because of him. And there are so many people that are in there that have had, you know, friends and gang members and family members killed because of Rorschach. So they're all kind of just crowding around him in the cafeteria. Isaac Hayes finds the roach in the jello, as we mentioned. You can hear
0: Ben Affleck screaming (laughs) in the background.
1: And Rorschach has the incredible line of uh, after he dumps a. Uh, right out of the deep fryer a basket of fries and oil onto this dude's face it's gnarly as hell but he has the line of uh, y'all don't understand i'm not trapped in here with you you're trapped in here with me which i have no clue how to this day there hasn't been a pro wrestler or professional fighter uh, <laughs> that has not used that line in a promo leading into a big match
0: out of respect
1: i guess it would probably work best for a ufc fighter since they actually fight in a cage
0: Well, either way, you don't want to touch it because it's already been performed about as perfectly as it can. So (laughs) So, earlier you were saying that Rorschach to you is not really a sympathetic figure. So but aren't you rooting for him and all when he's fucking people up? All those guys are going after him. Aren't you going, at least part of you going, fuck yeah.
1: I think that's uh, a personal Rorschach test of sorts. (laughs) It depends on what you see when looking at it.
0: Alex, I saw you inching (laughs) forward in your seat. You were not covering your eyes.
1: Speaking of performed perfectly, Alan Ankerman and Patrick Wilson uh, have their sex attempt, their sex scene attempt. They're basically going through all their old shit and just being super flirty and whatnot. And he's just kind of a bumpkin. And then he gets all, oh, gosh, and woes me when she starts talking about Dr. Manhattan. So they start making out on his couch and go to have sex, but he's having some performance issues.
0: Dude, that is amazing. Can you think of any other superhero that's impotent that that has? (laughs) Well, he's not
1: impotent. He's just uh, he's uh, very intimidated by the prospect here. He needs something to liven things up.
0: I mean, (laughs) it should have
1: like the director's director's cut would have had him like. Uh, giving himself the John Travolta speech in the bathroom from Pulp Fiction about, you know, what you're going to do. And then just him walking and taking three shots of whiskey and then putting, I don't know, what would have been the 85 panty dropper at the time, uh, Party All the Time by Eddie <laughs> Murphy on the turntable.
0: Uh, I just like that this is it's basically like a three-part movement to, uh, in this symphony where first she tries to have sex with him and he can't perform. Then he has a dream about them... Communing, not quite having sex, but in the middle of a nuclear uh, holocaust. Well, the
1: dream, in all its artistic nature, is like he, they shed their skin to show them real their real selves, and it's them as like their superhero alter ego,
0: costume characters,
1: making the hand wanking motion right now.
0: (laughs) You know, it never gives you a voiceover explaining what's happening. (laughs) Rorschach just like (laughs) journal entry (laughs) Daniel
1: couldn't get hard (laughs) so before they can become the beast of two backs we go back to the prison where Rorschach's just up in his cell and the dude he dumped all that hot oil on is dying and I guess he was someone of notoriety in the prison because we're told if he dies there's going to be a you know a a Pier six brawl a a big big old prison riot more
0: callbacks to natural born killers
1: Mickey Abbott shows up I'm big figure is his mob boss name here for those of you Seinfeld fans Mickey Abbott of course Kramer's uh buddy and um he's a mob boss he has his two henchmen there he's in prison because of Rorschach and he's waited 15 years or whatever he says for this moment of revenge so they're basically just standing guard at his door and they have a big like um, a disc saw or it might even be like a, a disc sander whatever it is it it takes them a while to get through anything that they're cutting
0: well i mean they're in prison <laughs> they don't have they, access to high tech
1: he spent 15 years jimmy <laughs> regging up this disc sander
0: it was like ten thousand cigarettes for that <laughs> for that piece of machinery
1: yeah rorschach no sells everything one of the henchmen reaches through to try to get him he ties his arms uh into the cell basically just kind of binds him with his arms inside over the lock and to get to it, they have to cut off this dude's arms.
0: That's how badass this 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 mobster is. Danny
1: Woodburn is the uh, the actor's name. One henchman gets his arms cut off. The other one actually gets into the jail cell trying to get at Rorschach. He promptly kills him by smashing his head into a toilet and then electrocuting him. And so big figures just he does like the Rodney Dangerfield reaction when he crashes the boat in Caddyshack, where he just throws his hands up and like just <laughs> scampers off screen. And we go back to uh, Silk Spectre and Night Owl suiting up because at this point, they, they've they become aware of the prison riots. So they're going to go down there. I think they even know Rorschach's in there.
0: Yeah. No, the way it goes is he has a dream uh, of them just kind of becoming one. <laughs> <laughs> and then he wakes up and goes and stares at his costume in the nude.
1: He's nude. That's right.
0: Right. And then she comes out and she's like, you know, for a dad bod, <laughs> you're you're Okay. And then she suggests, this, she figures it out before he does. Because she's really, in the end, she's the smartest one. Not indians but she is the smartest one of this bunch. And she's She is
1: she, the woman. Of course, she's the smartest. Yeah, she
0: figures out that really what he needs is to get back into that costume. And, and if she's ever going to have sex with him, <laughs> first he needs to save some lives. So they go, they rescue some people from from a, a building on fire. Then some they have kid. sex in the most epic sex scene ever put to film.
1: Is that before they go and get Rorschach? Yeah, because yeah, then, then they're... Yeah, Rorschach's they're just not sitting in the corner watching. That's <laughs> yeah.
0: right. They're, afterwards, they're cuddling, and, and Night Owl says, I guess we should go get Rorschach. And she says, well, it's going to be really difficult. This is going to be a lot harder than rescuing people from a fire. And he goes, it'll be more fun. It's just like a complete 180 from what he was before, because that's sometimes you just need to get laid
1: yeah a sex scene like the scene that completely derails this movie of any credibility as leonard cohen's hallelujah plays in the background and uh i mean i did comment patrick what's the
0: longest you've gone without having sex alex because uh, i think you haven't gone long enough if you don't understand why that song would be playing, i told you i
1: I did applaud his form he was showing some (laughs) some pretty solid form in this scene and it's it's uh, like I was telling Julio, it's the early frontrunner for the Ruffalo Award, just due to its uh, in-your-face nature.
0: Well, once again, in for a penny, in Explicit. for a pound. Explicit. It, it, it's like if you haven't shied away you have glistening
1: from, ass on both sides of the <laughs> equation
0: as you should no the sex needs to be depicted uh, as reprehensible as badly right otherwise all you're showing in detail is an attempted rape and then uh, a really weird threesome where you know Dr Manhattan is multiplying himself to, to have sex oh, yeah. you need at least one scene where the sex is just joyous a celebration of a, of human nature.
1: And then, of course, at the climax of said sex, she throws her hand onto the control panel. It shoots the flamethrower out of the ship, and it's-, it's hidden by the cover of night, so it creates, like, this orange glow in the sky. And then you see, like, two guys haggling over a Reuben on the street <laughs> corner, and they say, what the fuck is that? Hey, Johnny, you see this? What the fuck is that?
0: I guess Night Owl got late again. <laughs>
1: That would be awesome if that was like... Malin <laughs> Ankerman didn't know it, but that was his calling card of him getting laid. Like well, the, That was like
0: Hollis Mason back in the day. Yes, yes.
1: <laughs> like the sex gong on uh, Scrubs. Like all the street vendors just like, hey!
0: <laughs> that's what we were missing. A, a shot of Hollis Mason going, that's my boy.
1: <laughs> yes. The, oh, God, that would have been perfect. Just him like looking at the window. Single tear rolling down his eye.
0: <laughs> I told him he needed to get out more.
1: Silk Spectre and Night Owl... Uh, help calm down the prison riot pretty much by beating the shit out of everyone. <laughs> they help, uh, spring Rorschach out. Not before he kills big figure. Uh, they get out of there. They head back to, I would say headquarters, but it's really just Patrick Wilson's, uh, cave. Yeah. He has like an apartment or a home, but more importantly, underground, he has where he keeps the ship and is costume dude ads, all that. They get there and they open up the door and Doctor Manhattan's just there, like "Hi, guys," and still
0: not wearing any pants.
1: And my favorite part is he's like, "Lori, get over here," and then uh, Patrick Wilson's like, "You don't have to." Like he could do anything to this guy. (laughs) He basically feigns like he's gonna stand up for, and then like Doctor Manhattan just gives him the look, and he's like, "All right."
0: Well, and, and Lori says. That's okay, I got this. As she should. She's an independent woman. She has her own agency. She doesn't need Night Owl to defend her. I mean, I think she's proven time and again in this movie that she can take care of herself. There's a scene earlier where they get mugged and she kicks ass.
1: Oh, yeah. Helps them feel alive again. Yeah, yeah a lot of compound fractures in that scene. The big gang that runs rampant throughout New York City in this time period or in this uh, story, I should say, is the Not Tops, which aren't just all Asians, which that like – there was a few people they had playing. I'm like, this is kind of seems racially insensitive. But then they had like some white boys in there. And so it is what it is. Dr. Manhattan takes Lori to Mars to explain, you know, I know you're with Dan. Humanity's crumbling. These are kind of our options of things. Meanwhile, back in New York, the aforementioned Knot Tops uh, kind of mistake who Night Owl is. They think it's the old dude, Hollis Mason. So they go and just uh brutally murder him. Now this scene is part of the director's cut. This was not the theatrical Yes, that's release. not the
0: theatrical This is the first time I've watched this this part. I knew it from the from the comic book. And mm-hmm. I don't remember, I, I ask you, I don't remember if it, this is how it happens in the comic book. I think that it's, whether it does or doesn't, it's really cool in a very twisted way because basically you can track the murder of the original Night Owl all the way back to the actions of the current night owl. Mm-hmm. <laughs> he got his friend killed by getting back into action. By making himself feel alive, he eventually uh, got his friend dead.
1: With Rorschach out of prison, he's back on the case trying to figure out you know what's going on. Who ordered this hit on Ozymandias? Who's out trying to kill the, the superheroes, the Watchmen? Uh, they go to this bar. He beats the shit out of... No, he doesn't even beat him up. He just like presses broken glass in this guy's hand until he gives him he the information. He picks the one guy. Yeah. And the the only guy, the only thing I recognize that guy from is he's a guy that works in the mail room in elf that gets <laughs> drunk with uh, Will Ferrell. That's the only thing I recognize him from. While they're there, though, the news broadcast shows that the original Night Owl's been killed, and this is where Patrick Wilson just loses it and just beats the crap out of one of the knot tops there. And he wants to know who did it, who killed him. He never really finds out. We don't know if he ever got justice for that.
0: Um, I think that the the movie kind of derails that because something more important happens. <laughs> There's a pretty good chance, the actually. Fate that, the fate uh, of the world. Yeah, I, I'm pretty sure that everybody that was involved in uh, Hollis Mason's death dies by the end of the movie. When, oh, yeah, that's a good when point. When millions of people die. <laughs>
1: yeah, and that's what was cut out, was just uh, Patrick Wilson looking at the TV, nodding in approval. <laughs> Serves you right.
0: Um, I, by now, uh, we are in full uh, Rorschach Night Owl bromance, or rekindled uh Romance mm-hmm. Because they have a, a, a bit of an argument, a blow-up, after uh, Silk Spectre has left with Dr. Manhattan earlier. Rorschach is being pretty blunt about that relationship. And Patrick Wilson snaps back at him, and then he apologizes. And then Rorschach says, you're a friend. I'm sorry. I know it's difficult with me sometimes. And they, they shake hands. And it's just suddenly this this friendship comes out of, uh, it surprises you. I mean, they've established that they have past history, so it's not unwarranted, but uh, it's just this really sweet moment uh, in, in the middle of all this uh, just corruption. And then later when he's beating the shit out of that gang member and at the bar, Rorschach stops him. He says, Hey man, not you. <laughs> <laughs> you heard the pure one, Daniel.
1: Uh, so they go, why do they go to Ozymandias' office? Why do they?
0: Because he's the smartest man. So they they figured that he can help them finish tracking like whatever follow the leads that they have.
1: Okay, but through this at his office they figure out that he's been orchestrating
0: all this. They figure out that his password is Ramiz's too, <laughs> which is great. I love that the the smartest people have the dumbest passwords. Yeah, and keep books <laughs> with such passwords I right can't in front of their computers. remember the
1: Batman and Robin how like Alicia Silverstone gets into Alfred's computer. It's it's something really stupid.
0: But yeah, they password is Pennyworth. They
1: figure out he's working on something. It's something bad. They figure out.
0: Well, they find uh, Roshik finds a file with Doctor Manhattan's uh, psychiatric evaluation or something, yes. and then uh, and then Night Owl finds a diskette because it was still in the eighties. <laughs> <laughs> he finds a floppy disk with uh, a bunch of information, including the.
1: So he takes Sim City out and throws <laughs> it over his shoulder.
0: Yes, he waits for it to load, and then. Uh, yeah, it's information from, the the I guess, the Shell company that was orchestrating everything that they've been following. It turns mm-hmm. out that it's it's owned by Osmendias and his company. That's right. So it turns out that he's behind everything.
1: Yes, and then we cut to some bunker out in Antarctica or Greenland or some shit. I don't know. Yeah,
0: where, uh, where he's listening to Bob Dylan. Yes.
1: <laughs> and he's there with a team of scientists, and come to find out pretty quickly, they've figured out how to harness, hone, and replicate the powers of Dr. Manhattan- And once it's all been signed, sealed and delivered, he kills all the scientists and then vaporizes all their dead bodies.
0: It's just to make sure that you understand that he's the bad guy.
1: Yes, make sure. And then we get a shot of him like in front of a wall of 300 TVs or something just to make sure you know that, you know. There's something off about this guy. And he's got his like superhero outfit on and everything at this point.
0: Oh, you know, it's, it's just a culmination of his plan. Now here, now that he's all the missing, cars are laid out. Well, he does out, have a cat. Never mind. Yeah, no, he has, yeah, a, no, yeah. he has like, with the, the weird mutant tiger. Um, now that all the cars are laid out, this is where, I mean, I, I, I was piecing it together as the movie went along. But really, like Dr. Manhattan, Zack Snyder could see into the future. He saw where superhero movies were going. And, and this really, this movie, in addition to being an incredible superhero story and a masterful adaptation of a graphic novel, it's also uh, basically a roadmap, uh, a prophecy of what was going to happen to the film industry <laughs> through superhero movies, through the rise and fall of superhero movies. This shows us America and the world reacting to superheroes. Mm-hmm. And at first they love them. And they become a sensation. They change the world. And then eventually they turn on them. But by the time they turn on them, it's too late. The superheroes are so ingrained in culture that they literally determine who lives and who dies in this planet. Uh, Which is basically what you could say is happening with superhero movies. Uh, You know, at first he was cute. It was like a novelty. Spider-Man 2. uh, Batman Returns. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> you know the Schumacher Batman everybody's kind of like oh this is cute we're not gonna take it too seriously and then eventually it all makes way for the MCU and by the time the MCU becomes a huge thing uh just there's no stopping it and people try to turn on it but they're already too big and now well we might be facing uh, if not extinction of uh movies as we know them then definitely some sort of uh post-apocalyptic uh, scenario is with this in mind that I'm telling you in my mind, I think the comedian is Zack Snyder. He could see it coming. He, he he knew it before everybody else. He was the one with his eyes wide open.
1: Yes, we, I don't think we covered that. We learned at this point very much. He was killed by Mandeus because he figured out Ozzy's plan.
0: Yes, but even before then, I mean, when they were in Vietnam, when they were... He, he could see through all the bullshit. While everybody was making the super teams and whatever, he was jaded. He knew that none of this was going to make a difference. None of this was going to lead anywhere else. Uh, Dr. Manhattan, obviously, is... The MCU slash Disney, just this gargantuan superpower that will determine the our almighty. fate.
1: Almighty,
0: yeah. Uh, Night Owl, Martin Scorsese, just, <laughs> he can't believe what's happening, and then by the time he tries to fight back, it's just just too late. Rorschach, film Twitter, just, All right. just too aggressive, too caustic. Nobody can take him seriously because he's he's just too crazy,
1: constantly getting his hands dirty.
0: Yeah, uh, Silk Spectre. I would say the, the Me Too movement. Jesus. Just, just fighting for, for relevance in a male-dominated field. And then, of course, Azamandias is Netflix.
1: <laughs> Smarter than everyone and here to crush all the hopes and dreams.
0: <laughs> here to just manipulate everything so that they come out on top.
1: So anyway, Laurie learns that the comedian's her father. Uh, back on Mars. I forget why it takes him so long to get to that. But yeah, uh, Dr. Manhattan explains that the comedian's are father. He doesn't even say, like, look in your heart, you know it to be true. He just or search your feelings. He
0: taps her on the on the forehead. Yes. And he just uses his his Manhattan powers.
1: His powers of Disney and MCU. Just like <laughs> recaps everything for her. Just
0: yeah. a Sand Lee cameo in that flash
1: <laughs> She has a breakdown. I don't really know why. I, I is she mad that he's her dad?
0: Well, he was a piece of shit.
1: Yeah. But that's a lot to handle. Because he, like, died that week and everything, too.
0: Right, but she knew. I think it's 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 common knowledge that he tried to rape her mother. Yeah. So I think that that along
1: well, Yeah, clearly, because that's, like, that alone it's earlier, just, yeah, she gets yeah. all... All Along yeah. the Watchtower by Jimi Hendrix Begins to blare Another Bob Dylan song, but performed by a different artist. Uh, which synced up with the book, because I remember the lyrics from this song are written over the the panels for what follows here. As Ozymandias becomes aware that uh, Rorschach and Night Owl are coming into his fortress, his bunker, wherever the hell he is.
0: Just walking. Well, no, they're not walking at first, but.
1: They like crash their ship and then they like walk. It's still like they're like 500 <laughs> yards away. And
0: That's where. It uh,
1: does not look comfortable.
0: Uh, Night Owl breaks out his alternate suit, <laughs> the Polar Batman. <laughs>
1: <laughs> it's the, um, the raccoon suit from Super Mario <laughs> Bros. 3, so he can just kind of glide over there. They go in there like, what the fuck you doing? They learn that it was all a plan. Uh, he figured out how to harness this energy. So it's similar in theory to what he does in the book, but different in execution.
0: Less ridiculous.
1: Yeah. And what he wants to do is essentially uh, what he does. Excuse me. He triggers. He
0: did it 35 minutes ago, Alex. Yeah.
1: The Hank from uh, Breaking Bad. He made up his mind 10 minutes ago. <laughs> he triggers this like blast, this nuclear blast in right in Times Square that I think in the end wipes out like three million people in New York City. Uh, he wants to, what he does is he creates an event to make it look like it's Dr. Manhattan to basically scare the world into uniting and over the over their fear of Doctor Manhattan so they could all come together if the time came ever came. Basically through all of this uh, untold death and destruction it creates a global utopia
0: he scares the world into unity um and all this is delivered in the middle of a badass action sequence where ozymandias proves that he's not only smart but just as we suspected from his brief action sequence earlier during his assassination attempt fast as hell he can kick anybody's ass he repeatedly whoops uh Night Owl and Rorschach's asses mm-hmm. again and again. And I love that every time that Rorschach, Rorschach gets isn't that down, good of
1: a fighter. He's just really scrappy.
0: Yeah. But don't you love that detail where he gets knocked down, his hat goes flying and he puts his hat back on before he gets back into the fray.
1: It's like uh, one of the Dick Tracy action figures with the hats, just super glued on when you get the figure. <laughs> but we have finally our Watchmen reunion. This is the first time in real time in the entire movie that they're all together. Cause Laurie and uh, Dr. Manhattan show back up. Um, He gets there and Ozymandias tries to vaporize him. And of course it doesn't work. This is like one of the few times where Ozymandias is obviously just uh, too smart for his own good. uh, Because his first plan would have worked too well. He thinks he vaporizes Dr. Manhattan. He comes back like 60 stories tall, (laughs) just swiping at him with no discreet motion. I'm very disappointed in you, Adrian.
0: He sounded like Rocky.
1: I think he says, like, reassembling myself is the first thing I learned how to do, you dumbass. <laughs> but
0: he killed his cat for nothing.
1: I know. Because he uh, caught the, the cat up in the vaporizer with Dr. Manhattan. But when he finally, after he's gotten his ass beat, and everyone's just kind of blown up and just kind of sitting there like, what are we going to do? Adrian Veidt, Ozymandias, explains what he did and what the cause of it will be, the cause and effect of it all. And Dr. Manhattan's just like, my God, you're right.
0: He uses, uh, Ozymandias uses the the ultimate secret weapon, a TV remote. <laughs> <laughs> he turns the TVs at uh, 300 TVs on and there's Nixon in every single one of them in every possible language.
1: Yeah. And he's just like, Russia and the US have put aside our differences to unite in the fight against Dr. Manhattan. And then like Billy Crudup's just like, all right. <laughs> <laughs> You got me. And Rorschach's the only one that's like, no, you assholes. I'm still going to tell the world the truth. They have to know who killed all these people.
0: It's says Scorsese going, it's not cinema.
1: <laughs> so he heads out. I guess he's just going to walk back to New York City from wherever <laughs> the hell they are. And Dr. Manhattan cuts him off. And much like in the comic, vaporizes him there on the spot.
0: Except that there's the, the big key change from the comic that makes it so much better is that they have Uh, night owl owl present witness it yeah and then he has his i have no shame moment where he falls to his knees and goes no
1: maybe the best picture clip i don't know it'd be a bit violent for broadcast television
0: with him falling to his knees or just the whole
1: the sequence of him being vaporized oh and then uh, the
0: the aerial shot of just the rorschach blood yeah the the viscera everywhere (laughs) yeah but the world's
1: protected everything's good it's not a fun ending but it's the way it has to end or so we think it is (laughs) Because before they set out, uh, before they began the conquest to Ozymandias' fortress, Rorschach, as we mentioned, the narrator throughout this movie, had documented everything that's gone on and dropped his journal off at uh, the Daily Planet. It handwritten. He dropped his, uh, yeah, his handwritten journal off at What Culture?
0: <laughs> Where well, it's picked up by Jack Black.
1: Yeah. Uh, I don't know who that guy is. The only other thing I've ever seen him in is Freddy versus Jason. He gets uh, a flaming machete sh- shoved through his chest. Uh, we're talking about the extra they had play the reporter at this newspaper.
0: Yeah, they're like, oh, Slows news day. What are we going to do? Everybody loves each other now. We have nothing to write about.
1: Yeah, and then the movie ends. So essentially the utopia has been created, but it's about to be outed as false. Maybe. Potentially. I mean we'll never know because some shitty My Chemical Romance song has to play and take us out this movie was rated R for uh, intense gore and violence and glistening ass
0: and blue penis blue uncircumcised penis graphic
1: nudity yeah alright you ready to move this along
0: let's go to real talk let's do it
1: out of my way people have to be told you know I can't let you do that. Suddenly, you discover humanity. Convenient. I'm scared from the start. None of this would have happened. I can change almost anything. But I can't change human nature. Of course you must protect fights new Utopia. What's one more body amongst
0: foundations? What are you waiting And we are recording for Real Talk for Watchmen from Visionary Director.
1: From Visionary Director. we That's been a joke since this podcast started. I'm fairly positive. This movie, the trailer for this movie was the first time he was referred to as visionary. He, the Visionary Director of 300. And then from that point forward, it would just be Visionary Director Zack Snyder. Uh, as we've also mentioned, or at least I know I have uh, ad nauseum, the attached trailer on The Dark Knight in 2008 and uh, featured... The end is the beginning is the end or the beginning is the end is the beginning. Whatever the fucking song was by the Smashing Pumpkins, that was the B-side for the single for Batman and Robin. I owned it. And we talked about on the Prometheus commentary track, which was just recorded a few days ago, uh, the an era of awesome, awesome trailers that left a lot to be desired in a good way, as opposed to now where it's just kind of like, here's everything but me and Julio this is the only time in you know over 100 episodes we were this we watched the theatrical trailer for it before we watched it and god that trailer still holds up i turned to Julio I was like there's no possible way you could not be just fucking pumped for this movie <laughs> after watching that released on March 6th of 2009 of course directed by Zack Snyder based on the Watchmen graphic novel again by David Gibbons and Alan Moore written by Alex uh Say and David Hater do you know who David Hater is
0: is he related to Bill Hader? He is not.
1: Let me see if I can give you a clue.
0: <clears throat> Liquid. What?
1: A <laughs> uh, uh, D. He was the voice of Solid Snake in the Metal Gear Solid oh, series. Jesus. <laughs> he was. He's fucking Snake man. But I he, know.
0: But I've only played Metal Gear uh, in the Nintendo versions. Jesus. I know. Thoughts and he prayers did, to he, you and he your family. Speak back then.
1: Yeah, okay, I'm sorry. He well, that was Metal Gear. He was Metal Gear solid. Oh, yeah. Big David. difference. Anyway, David Hayter, as far as screenwriting goes, I mean his legacy is that he's fucking snake. Uh, but he wrote the screenplay for this and the first two X-Men movies. I think those are his two big claims to fame. Um, and the Scorpion King, but no. I wouldn't consider that a claim to fame. Uh, a budget of around $130 million, a box office return of around 185. million. We'll get a little bit further into it, how they had like a dynamite opening weekend and then just basically just moved at a slug's pace from that point forward.
0: We just uh, went three hours of what?
1: A lot to talk about, a lot to discuss, uh, both personal feelings and interesting trivia about it, but. Before we get into that, I'm sure you have prepared some uh, additional quotes for us, hopefully none for what culture.
0: Uh, no, we're, we already got past what culture. Uh, but now I know that I need to bring up quotes from them anytime I want to get a rice out of you. Okay, so once again, we're going to go back and forth between positive and negative. This time we'll start with the negative. Jackie K. Cooper from JackieKCooper.com says, so muddled and messy for those who have not read Alan Moore's graphic novel, it might be just best not to watch The Watchmen. Get it? That was clever. I like it. Well, uh if you like that, you like this one. Positive. Chris Carpenter from Movie Deer says, "I like watching The Watchmen." <laughs> that is all.
1: It <laughs> was a grown ass man that got paid to write that.
0: Uh Robert Davis from Pace Magazine says, Snyder's films lavish attention on men who are principal brutes and on women who are sexy, strong, and secondary. He's driven by big ideas, but he never seems to consider the problems of macho justice. I
1: really was hoping you were going to say, Watchmen, I hardly know her. (laughs) Uh,
0: Tyler Hanley from Palo Alto Weekly says, Rich with vibrant color visceral action and dynamic characters Zack Snyder's ambitious adaptation of the acclaimed graphic novel is a visual and psychological feast
1: I don't know about psychological feast but um, I would definitely concur with the word
0: ambitious glistening asses glistening. Uh Pete Vanderhaar from Film Thread says Snyder ironically embodies the very overindulgence that Rorschach repeatedly points out will be the death of our society yeah it's funny <laughs> um, and finally Mike Ward from Richmond Times Dispatch says you don't need 12 sided dice and a fictitious Canadian girlfriend to get it but it certainly helps what? I know just just low low swipe at I guess comic book fans oh
1: okay um,
0: fuck you Mike Ward yeah <laughs> probably writes for what culture it's their time
1: <laughs> uh, ambitious is a great word to kind of kick us off with there it's um when you tackle something like watchmen you're already kind of fucked from the jump because there's more so than almost uh, a lot of other comic book adaptations of modern times there was one no way he was going to please not just he anyone that tackled this project. There was no way they were going to please all of the fans of the the book, uh, and there's no real way to tell this story in a way that's appealing to mainstream audiences. So, th- I mean,
0: without completely destroying the spirit of it,
1: yeah. Uh, yeah I'm sorry yeah I'm sure you could you could have made a 90 minute Watchmen movie that was just like you know an episode of Power Rangers where they just get together and fight but to try to keep the spirit of it if you're really trying to do a true adaptation of it it's a risky project from all fronts to take on I mean and clearly Snyder um, doesn't care about critical acclaim I wouldn't say I think he likes it I obviously don't know him as a person but I think just based on interviews and things I've read with him I think he likes uh, positive reinforcement of his movies Um, but he's hit a really good medium of making things that he wants to make that are also commercially viable and that appeal obviously 300 was a massive success uh, I don't ever want to see it again in my life but there were people that saw Donna Justice and liked it and a lot of people saw it and Justice League, I'm sure, made a lot of money. Uh, This movie, though, I think passion project's a good word. I just think anyone under the sun, and as we'll get to here when I kind of go over my trivia, there's a lot of people that at one point in time were attached to this project, but it's just like, how the fuck do I do this? And even still, at three hours, and we watched the director's cut, the theatrical one was like 245. It still feels like kind of rushed in parts, and it's such a hard story to tell in a uh, consolidated effort. I think, I think, and we'll get further into it, but I think this is about as good as anyone was going to do.
0: Uh, I mean, I think it's it pretty close. There, there are some things that are very Zack Snyder that I think you would the movie would benefit from losing
1: the meat of it. I should say is about as good as anyone's gonna do. Yes. Visually, there's all the Snyder calling cards. There's that sex scene is so fucking stupid.
0: Yes. So now that we're in real talk, yes. that is a low point. Probably the lowest point of the movie. And, oh, easily. And, and a low point of superhero movies in general.
1: <laughs> and it 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 derails the movie. And like every time I watch this movie, it's like uh, I'm an Alzheimer's patient because I'm always like this isn't that bad. And then I get to that part and I'm like it takes me out of it and then it takes me another 30 minutes to get back into the movie because I'm still just thinking about and and he fucking hit the flamethrower when he came.
0: <laughs> I think that uh, I, I I might have said it on what we are recording recently, but if not, I know I definitely mentioned it off mic that there was I really wish that we could somehow Look at the alternate timeline where Watchmen comes out today as opposed to coming out ten years ago, because when the when the graphic novel came out, it was at a point where the superhero genre seemed to be to have burnt out. yeah, so you needed this sort of different take on them to revitalize it and uh, just kind of just give you a new idea of what you could do with with these characters with these themes these tropes or uh, what have you while also analyzing what has been done so far and where have we fallen short uh which is what you could apply to superhero movies right now yeah so if Watchmen came out now would we would it be more successful because people are maybe as burned out of superhero movies right now as they were of superhero comics back in the 80s.
1: So to uh I should have if you bring that up. I want to revise my statement of this is as good as anyone was going to do. This is as good as anyone was going to do back then in 2009. <laughs> yes. Yeah. <laughs> uh, because of that. I, I don't know, man. Like.
0: I mean, I think independent of how well crafted the movie is like Snyder taking Snyder apart. You know, in, no, I know, a way.
1: I know what you're saying. That's such an interesting thing to think about because, like, this just kind of came out and was like this minor cultural happening. And, but there were none of the, you know, we've always had conflict with uh, the threat of war, but like, especially now and over the past few years, how volatile things have been. You add in that element and then the, over of the superhero field i think my fear would be that this would be met with more resentment if it came out today
0: it could be and and th- that's probably where maybe you Fear's need a strong word you need a different director than zack snyder to really dig into what makes the the original material special besides the, the <laughs> really bring that comedy out.
1: yeah exactly
0: <laughs> cast uh uh
1: Mandy Moore as Silk Spectre
0: yes you put John Krasinski as Dr. Manhattan
1: we're just remaking License to Wed or whatever that movie was
0: <laughs> and Robin Williams is the comedian <laughs> uh.
1: oh my god it's all a joke it's all a big
0: joke I think that in 2009 the people that were really excited for it uh beyond it being a superhero movie where the people had read the Watchmen graphic novel so they knew what it was what it really Things was about. a lot
1: more optimistic <laughs> it's only fucking 10 years ago and i'm like man remember those times <laughs> but just generally people and like the tone was a lot more optimistic so people i think were more receptive to something like this than they would be now
0: yeah but at the same time i think that it wouldn't resonate as much with them if they're not in that at that point where they're like i'm sick of superhero movies it's always the same thing can we please have something different?
1: That's yeah. That, that I think
0: in 2009 when it came out, it was more like, this is not a superhero movie. <laughs> Why are you selling it to me? Like one, everybody's like on the superhero movie high. And then this comes out and it looks like nothing like what they expected. So then they turn away from it and, and it doesn't make as much money as maybe it would right now.
1: Yeah. And that's a a fair point. And I think that when it did come out and it, I think that's why it embodies the whole idea of a gray area, not just the quality of the film, but like it just kind of came out and a lot of people saw it. It's opening weekend. And then it just kind of passed. It wasn't like, and the whole gray area aspect of it too. It's not like there was this unanimous reaction to it. It was just kind of, here it is. And, um, I don't know if you remember like this, there was a huge push like Warner brothers, like, put a lot of money into the marketing for this. And I remember the, I don't know if your theater did, but like we were decked out all the popcorn bags and like cups were Watchmen shit. And like, yeah, there were so many TV spots. There was a toy line that came out in conjunction with it, which is hilarious. If you think about it, like the idea that kids are going to be watching this movie,
0: the McDonald's happy meal with uh, the Silk <laughs> specter and the Rorschach with the, <laughs> with the, the cleaver, the
1: cleaver uh, slashing action. Um, it's, I think that is kind of, in a way, fitting of its legacy. And I know Alan Moore hates the idea of it being a movie, but I think... Yeah, he
0: hates everything, though. it's true. I love the book, and I love most of his writing, but he... He's a a he, bitter he, man. Yeah, yeah. I, I, I mean, it's a little too angry for me to this really... This story
1: reflects that of a bitter person.
0: Well, but his story is even... I think that his stories are not told as angrily as his as when he makes a statement. So I can take his story seriously, but when he when he comes out and he's just get off my lawn, yeah. <laughs> then I just can't.
1: Yeah. And I think in a really weird way, what we're talking about is really fitting of Watchmen in general, because it really is like the most mainstream exposure it ever got was because of this movie. It's not like, you know, all of the cliched telltale comics that you hear about. And it was always destined to kind of be this movie that inspired debate amongst its, its merit. And, Obviously, what we're going to get to here pretty shortly is about the actual quality of the movie and the the direction of it and the acting in it and whatnot. Um, But I come away from it every viewing. This is probably maybe the fifth or sixth time I've seen it. I come away every time kind of with a renewed sense of appreciation for it. And um, uh, I find it just kind of endlessly fascinating. And that's something that I never really thought I'd say about a Zack Snyder movie. And so that's <laughs> every time we give him shit on this podcast, I always kind of come back to it. And I I think it's a fitting 100th episode also because it kind of embodies uh, both from like an analytical standpoint, but also just the overarching sense of what we wanted to do with this podcast of um, one, artist's subjective, two, you can be over the moon about anything, but also just the whole idea of with or without Rotten Tomatoes or all these things, there there's going to be these movies that people feel different ways about. And on both sides of positive and negative, you can point out specific things that like, this is really, really good, or this is really, really shitty. And this is why it affects it. And it's a movie that I think uh, as much as probably any other of its ilk in the past. Now I have to say 15 years because it's older than 10 years inspires the most intelligent and passionate debate as opposed to like just I don't like it and that's it.
0: Well it's very easy it, it's that perfect gray area movie because if like you were saying it's so easy to make fun of it but it's also very easy to just let yourself go and just be in awe of it. Yeah. Until you get to that sex scene and then it's just
1: it just unanimously,
0: ah, yeah, wow, Fuck this.
1: I, I wish that would have been part of the director's cut. They cut that out, <laughs> like his dick gets hard the first time they try, and then but help refresh my memory. That happens in the book, right? Like they try the first time and he can't get it up. And so, yeah, yeah. And, and
0: actually, it's an improvement the way that they handle this. Not that part of it, the sex scene. I don't remember if the if the in the book they have sex in, in the ship, <laughs> but the big climax of that story, once again, no pun intended, <laughs> is that, um. I think they don't have sex, man. Cause I think the first time they finally have sex is at the very end. while Ozymandias is killing. Yeah. Uh, Cause then Doctor like, Manhattan has, uh, is killing Rorschach somewhere else in the Antarctica camp. company. they fall
1: asleep like naked together. And then yeah. Dr. Manhattan just comes and like looks at him and then leaves. Yep.
0: Yeah. Which is, it, I never liked it. I, the idea that while everything else is happening, these two just are fucking. Yeah. <laughs> that's, that's their big thing. At the end, I, I didn't care for it. Um, But I'll take it over the ridiculous sex scene that we get here.
1: (laughs) With uh, Patrick Wilson's vinegar strokes. Oh, God. (laughs) All right, so let me go through my trivia real quick, and then we'll kind of take this down bit by bit. Um, As I gushed about earlier, the first trailer for the film, which premiered with The Dark Knight, it was attached to The Dark Knight, thank you, sparked so much interest that it sent the graphic novel back onto the bestseller list. Barnes & Noble bookstores reported selling out of the novel nationwide. I will say that was when I read it. I made sure to read it before the movie came out. I'd always heard about it. But. Um, so, this is perfect little point to hit on following all my bitching and moaning about CG and the MCU. Billy Crudup wore a white suit covered with blue LEDs for his scenes opposite his fellow actors, giving them something against which they could perform. He would be blown up via CGI into enormous and blue Dr. Manhattan. So... <laughs> he still did the fucking work still showed up every day and acted
0: are you telling me Ruffalo and uh, and Thanos did not uh, I'm sure Brolin was there no I know actors. but
1: like I'm just defending my stance if, of like me when I eventually put over this movie really highly people are like but it has CGI in it and so I can say yeah but it's still <laughs> real <laughs> no Ruffalo is just like uh, alright let's do this just reads his lines
0: from his trailer. He's, he just They have a walkie yeah. next, to the, next to the tennis ball.
1: He's like, um, no, Ruffalo wouldn't be the drunk. Brolin would be like Leo. And once upon a time, he just got his face in the bowl of ice water. <laughs> Zack Snyder wanted to cast his 300 star Gerard Butler in this film and even promised him a role. When all the roles were cast, Butler didn't have one. <laughs> so the point of the story is he basically... Uh, Commissioned the side project of Black Freighter just to give Gerard Butler some tie to the movie. Oh, because for those of you who don't know, the Tales of the Black Freighter uh, animated movie is narrated by Gerard Butler, or he tells the he's the. So
0: character. in the five-hour cut, that thing is interspersed throughout the movie, right? Yeah. like uh, like it's in the comic, like in the comic
1: book. And real quick, if you haven't read the Watchmen book, um, <clears throat> Tales of the Black Freighter is this comic. That is interwoven throughout the Watchmen graphic novel.
0: You see it here in the movie a couple of times where uh, there's the the little newspaper stand and yeah. there's a little kid reading the comic. Like you see him a couple of times. Yeah.
1: Um, Tim Burton at one point was interested to direct it.
0: Eh, not his speed. I'm Sorry. sure
1: Johnny Depp would have started in some way. Which character would have done? Johnny Depp played Night Owl. Rorschach. Ugh.
0: The weirdest one.
1: Yeah. All right, here's a big one. The movie rights to the Alan Moore graphic novels Watchmen and V for Vendetta were acquired together in the late 1980s. Moore was asked to write a script but declined. The studio then had Sam Hamm write a script. Terry Gillam considered uh, directing the film as early as 1989, but after several rewrites uh, assisted by Charles McCown, decided that the material was unfilmable, except for as a five hour miniseries at a cost of $1 million per page, with CGI not in use yet. Michael Bay was considered as director in 2003. In 2004, the rights had been sold to Paramount, where Paul Greengrass planned a loose adaptation set in the present day. Warner Brothers soon reacquired the rights for Darren Aronofsky, who wanted a present day setting replacing Vietnam with Iraq and terrorism. Uncomfortable with that, Warner hired Zack Snyder of 300 fame. Casting rumors over the year included Sigourney Weaver as Sally Jupiter, (laughs) John Hurt, Robin Williams, Doug Hutchinson, Daniel Craig, Simon Pegg, Glenn Hansard, and Sean Penn as Rorschach.
0: <laughs> Wait, Robin Williams as Rorschach?
1: Right. I don't I don't know. Hey, man, don't shoot the messenger. Arnold Schwarzenegger, Dolph Lundgren, Keanu Reeves as the role of Dr. Manhattan. Tommy Lee Jones, Gary Busey, Ron Perlman, and Thomas Jane as the role of a comedian. Richard Gere, Kevin Costner, John Cusack, and Joaquin Phoenix as Night Owl 2 and Nathan Fillion, either as The Comedian or Night Owl too. Jamie Lee Curtis, Hilary Swank, Jessica Biel, Hilary Duff as uh, Silk Spectre 2, Tom Cruise, Jude Law as Ozzy Mandeus. In the finished film, Jackie Earl Haley is the only one of the seven primary cast members who was even in the film industry when the movie was first attempted. <laughs> uh, I
0: remember I, hearing about the Terry Gilliam rumors a long time ago.
1: I... I had always heard the one about Tom Cruise at one point, like the mid nineties when they wanted to make it, he was going to be Ozymandias, uh, premiered in more theaters than any other R rated movie, like 3,600, I think was the number scored the biggest debut of 2009 with a 55.7 million dollar weekend gross in March of 2009 until monsters vs. aliens opened a few weeks later. And that movie sucked. Uh, This one's great. $7 million had already been spent on Watchmen in pre-production before it even got to Zack Snyder. (laughs) Uh, When asked his thoughts on the upcoming movie adaptation of his seminal graphic novel, Alan Moore sighed and said, do we really need another shitty movie in the world?
0: (laughs) (laughs) What an asshole.
1: I misread the quote. He actually said film, so it's even better. Moore had famously and very vocally been unhappy about the adaptations of V for Vendetta and League of Extraordinary Gentlemen. Like many more, was also of the mind that the comic was unfilmable. And bringing it home here. After its $55.7 million opening weekend, it finally crossed the $100 million mark on its 21st day of release, setting the record for the slowest movie to $100 million after a $50 million plus opening weekend. It was behind uh, 8 Mile. Which, again, that kind of goes what I'm talking about. It had a big opening weekend and they just... Dropped off like name M&M M&M
0: Rorschach. There you go.
1: I remember having like the opening weekend, doing huge businesses in the theater, and just dropped right off. And then finally, this is something you actually touched on in the first portion of it. Uh, in an interview with the German magazine uh, Spiegel, not German, so I do mi- apologize if I'm mispronouncing that. zach Snyder said that he wanted the violence in the film to be depicted as ex- as extremely as possible. To make it completely different from the rather sanitized depictions of violence in media, such as PG-13 movies. He reasoned that he wanted the viewers to catch themselves enjoying the gruesome scenes in order to make them wonder if something was wrong with them, and that they may think about the violence in other films they're usually watching.
0: That is disturbing in itself that I was channeling Zack Snyder during Conterius Corner without knowing
1: it. I was going to say I don't feel good about myself usually agreeing with Zack Snyder on much. But that and that's something that in our Marvel discord that I brought up too, the how just the unmitigated level of violence in those movies. But different because-
0: kinds of movies. so.
1: But because you're not watching a guy get his head completely taken apart by a meat cleaver, it doesn't register with you that, like, how many people are dying and that type of stuff.
0: Well, no, I think that that's, that's probably his what he was attempting now, that he succeed, because that's where you approach the the line between honestly representing violence and gratuitously representing violence, right? I mean, how much do you need to get the point across?
1: I think he was signing, trying to sound more Oh, you more- think
0: that he actually gets a kick out of... Uh, yeah I, I mean, mean like, I, I I wouldn't be surprised I mean based on his filmography
1: <laughs> yeah <I> mean, <laughs> but he's obviously smart he's a fucking zillionaire but yeah I think that he kind of tries mm-hmm. to come across a bit more moral in that aspect but to be fair from what I recall the comic was pretty fucking violent
0: yeah too. no I think that it, it fits the tone Um, it definitely fits it going back to the sex scene again it fits it more than the sex scene hallelujah The sex scene is full on Hollywood bullshit. Yes. And the violence is just heightened, but in a way that makes sense because it's a heightened world.
1: Uh, it's a violent world. The yeah, world that's portrayed in the movie.
0: Yeah. Uh, but I think that, uh, I mean, it's it's kind of a blurry, I wouldn't make it, if you're going to make an indictment of of the superhero genre as far as violence goes, then I think that he needed to make it a little less cool. It's not so much it's not so much like that there's gore and that there's violence but this Lomo and the cool soundtrack I don't know about that man
1: yeah that that's all fair there was tons of interesting things about the movie but those are all the ones I picked out I was bummed there, like in the rumored casting that at no point in time no one thought to cast Tom Arnold as Night owl because <laughs> like to me his body frame always embodied what I always like the description that matched Night owl in the book of like frumpy and
0: do you think uh patrick and, wilson is too hot for night owl too
1: no I, like
0: he he does pretty well i think at dressing down
1: he's a good looking dude if it was like a team uh <laughs> patrick wilson i would say hard candy but that's there's something so weird about saying that he's attractive mm-hmm. in that movie um I, I found most of that pretty interesting and like i said uh it's so fascinating when movies like this it, it, there's really not much like this. It doesn't usually happen where something has a huge blockbuster opening weekend and then I'm sure like they were popping the champagne bottles at Warner <laughs> Brothers. They were, you know, make round two of the toys, you know, just <laughs> and then they saw the projections for the next weekend and they just hit the big red stop button. Uh they
0: pulled the a plug on the sequel. <laughs>
1: that's what I was talking to you about earlier. Watch I kinda, women. I I kind of brought that up. What would have been the the next move if uh and I did forget to mention, as part of the marketing, the there was a, a coordinating video game released with it, which is why we're watching this because I own the right. Ultimate Cut, um, which came with the End is Nigh video game.
0: They could have gone with a prequel. I with think the the,
1: Patrick Wilson, Rorschach. Pairing. I think
0: all of it. You know, because you, you have the Adventures of the Minutemen, and uh, and yeah, the 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 team ups of the. I guess what what they call it? The brave and the bold yeah. <laughs> adventures of uh uh Night Owl and Rorschach.
1: Do you think it makes it more fascinating that it's just a standalone?
0: Yes. Well, I, I say that after I've been praising the sort of sequel that they have at the HBO show, but I think the movie stands on its own. So yeah. uh it's it's fine. It
1: would you have rather seen it in that um what uh, Gilliam said about a miniseries?
0: No, because I don't trust Terry Gilliam to <laughs> I think <laughs> And I feel a lot less bad saying this. I don't know if you've read any of his sort of recent comments online, mm-hmm. guys. Just he sounds like an entitled old white dude. I, I have no. I don't feel bad about saying that. His movies now. I feel like whenever they're good, and I like some Terry Gilliam movies, whenever they're good, it's just because he lucked out into making a movie that I like. Because <laughs> that's what that's that's what he's aiming for. <laughs> uh, but half the time. They're just a mess. So I wouldn't have rolled the dice. If I was a producer, I wouldn't have told Terry Gilliam, yeah, go ahead and make a, a miniseries with this property. Yeah, because I, I wouldn't have known what was going to happen.
1: I always thought with a different cast, 12 Monkeys would be potentially disastrous.
0: Uh, yeah. Well, I mean, you know, he has a really good script there uh, and on 12 Monkeys. So that, I'm sure, helped. Um, no, I think that it's... This is fine. I, I think this is... I, the problem is not... I, I think, okay, now going back to the the hypothetical of what happens if this movie opens today and now the table is set for it to say something about the superhero genre in movies that that the public may be receptive to. Would this movie say anything about it, actually? And that's the problem.
1: Are we under the assumption it's the exact same movie? Yes. Yeah,
0: no. And that's... it. it, it I think that people might appreciate a little bit uh, more what's different about it in the sense that, oh, look, it's a little more realistic and whatever. But as far as a commentary on the genre, the way that the the graphic novel was a commentary on superhero comic books, I don't think it cuts it. And I think that might be a Zack Snyder problem. Um, I, I don't think that it digs deep enough or it's interested in digging deep enough. It's more interested in just the aesthetic of it, which is great. Yeah. But...
1: The, it also is a handicap in a certain sense too cuz when it was released it was in real time and then this movie came out and it's still based in 1985 i think that like yeah. that's a handicap and i think you lose a certain portion of your audience when they find out that it's a movie like about old times
0: that's true i mean the the hbo in the series or series whatever it's set in present day so it references a lot more current stuff um
1: I could just see really release today and people are like, I don't give a shit about John F. Kennedy getting killed. Like I don't Russia.
0: Why? Oh well, no, Russia's relevant again. Yeah <laughs> There
1: you go. But yeah, like why is Richard Nixon president again? Um I think that was a, the update, a who was
0: it? Aronofsky? right? That when you read that he wanted to set in present date, that would have been interesting. Yeah. Maybe cool Because the thing about Watchmen is that it's about superheroes, but it's also about america and the world in that specific moment when it came out so it would make sense that when you make the movie you update it to where it's about About the specific moment the specific moment so you know if you release it today you have to deal with a president like trump and the current world tensions you talk about uh iran iraq russia
1: (laughs) could you imagine if fucking donald trump had a, a dr manhattan well. well, I mean, <laughs> one, that would have to. The podcast
0: wouldn't exist. <laughs>
1: <laughs> that would have to assume that Dr. Manhattan would want to work with them, but like the idea of it. I think that the idea of Dr. Manhattan, because the other guys, Ozymandias is obviously like a, a really smart person, but no one in the movie has superpowers except for Dr. Manhattan. And I think right. the whole idea of that is so endlessly fascinating that this supernatural being's excellently created. And that we kind of just try to appease him <laughs> just so he doesn't get mad. And
0: But we also try to exploit him as a weapon of war.
1: <laughs> exactly. And when he's younger, we convince him to go over here and like win this war for us. And see, that's, you would have to update it to like a current conflict, which of course we haven't had one like Vietnam, but that's always something. No, it- but
0: you could send Dr. Manhattan, let's say to, you know. Iran, Iraq. Uh, yeah, yeah, exactly. Afghanistan, you know, yeah. whatever conflict the U.S. is involved in at the time. And then you just then he's he wipes him out yeah (laughs) that's it there's
1: there's so much so many interesting things to think about in this and obviously the the ending the the uh the tale of the, the noble lie of like that's you know um something as humans that we're always faced with about i mean almost on a daily basis about well i know this isn't true but it helps other people to think it is so and the outlier of Rorschach. No, the truth must always be told. And I think we could talk about this till we're blue in the face about the interesting points of Watchmen. I mean, many people have, uh, people better and worse than people on this podcast have, have done that. <laughs> so I think I, I cause I'm going to keep going about it. So I need to just for my own sake, switch gears to the movie itself and talk about the, the moving parts of this movie.
0: Well, I have one last thing though. Yeah. Just so we can like kind of put it aside. I think the movie does do one thing. It's it's not a complete failure. I, I think that we've been pretty negative on what it does besides looking pretty. And maybe this oh, is shit. Just,
1: That's not what I, want to, I I love it. Yeah. Yeah. It,
0: it, but there is uh some of it has to be a carryover from the adaptation because it is in a way it's a very faithful adaptation. So of course there's some things that it just it just won't lose, and also some of it I think it works, you know, that, that the way that he shoots it. It makes it work. The idea that, uh, this underlying idea that superheroes may be very special, but in the end, humanity is going to do what humanity does. Yeah. <laughs> Just like, you know, Twitter's going to do what Twitter does. We're going to find a way to fuck things up. Even when we have the power of Dr. Manhattan by our side, even when we have people.
1: What he tells Rorschach, like, even if we had something like that, what he says is, I can change anything, but I can't change human nature.
0: Yes. Yeah. You know, and because a lot of, and maybe this is a way in which it would offer some sort of commentary on superhero movies. In the sense that superhero movies are telling you the idea that, well, the world would be better if you had these beings. Yeah. These people in masks coming out and fighting crime. But then something like Watchmen shows you their reflection, which is like, no, it wouldn't be. Because it would still it would still be humans. It would still be the world and we would find a way to sour it.
1: And it would uh, inspire and create resentment and violence yep. towards those people.
0: Exactly. And, yeah. It's it, it would be cool at first, and then eventually we would turn on them. Yeah. Well, <laughs> and, he, then, and then they would turn on us. So dude, the fucking scene, um,
1: trying to kind of nudge these two subjects together here about actually addressing the movie and this, the scene where uh, the american dream it came true like uh-huh. that's a perfect uh, uh-huh. that's kind of encapsulating what you're speaking to and yeah that whole idea of that like if you did have this ragtag team of superheroes but then one of them is a fucking uh recluse and just goes like rogue and just starts killing innocent people it's you know what are you gonna do I th-
0: yeah the psychological I- impact of doing something like that in a in a real world scenario you probably have far more deranged people hiding behind these masks and pretending to be heroes than, uh, or trying even to be heroes than you do in your average MCU movie.
1: <laughs> yeah, and that's a side of that that I think is not dangerous but uh, not addressed is in the those MCU movies. If that shit was really happening, there would be deranged and disturbed people that think they could do the same thing and just go on the top of a building and put on a mask and jump off because they think they're going to be able to fly.
0: But then again, I don't think that the movie goes, this movie, Watchmen, goes far enough to show you how fucked up Rorschach is, I think most of the time it errs on the side of showing you how cool he is. Eh, I mean, it's it's still the going back to what uh, Snyder said about violence. I think that a lot of it is shot in a way that it's supposed to be like fuck yeah, and not in the sense that oh, and now I caught you. You were excited. It never goes. It never goes that extra mile where it shows you how horrifying it is. What he's doing? No, what, what? what he's doing. You know what I mean? Like, the scene where he, are you talking about Rorschach?
1: Yeah, the cleaver scene, dude. I.
0: It doesn't show it as as it shows him as a victim, but it doesn't show you as somebody that you're like you're still rooting for him. You know, it never does that turn where you're like, oh yeah, this guy's as much of a monster as as the people that. he's Okay, fighting.
1: we we completely misinterpreted that scene because it's him narrating to this psychiatrist about like when he lost all emotional connection to the real world.
0: Yeah, but he's doing it. when he says that he killed like that guy it's not like oh he overreacted against somebody who maybe deserved like a
1: but he uh, didn't want to kill him like he didn't want to do that and then
0: well yeah but that's what i mean it's it's one thing if he shows if you show me that he killed somebody that was sort of an innocent guy
1: stepped on his shoe (laughs) well
0: you know it's like he snapped and then he kills that guy and then he also kills like a whole bunch of people that are with him you know but
1: it's it's still what we're talking about he saw like he never saw the absolute worst of humanity until that moment. And he couldn't take it anymore and snapped and like brutally murdered this guy. And to Snyder's credit as a filmmaker, it's the one scene where they show the most brutality because they just keep showing him fucking. But don't you head. think the
0: movie still expects you to be with Rorschach after that?
1: Probably, and that's the thing. I think we're already giving this more intelligent dissection than Zack Snyder probably ever initially intended. <laughs> Not to knock his intelligence or anything like that, but I'm just saying. I think he just kind of thought, oh, and then he's in like this pit of despair, and then he kills him and then we show him killing him. But yeah, it's um the the only like heavy handed part I thought was when he told Robert De Niro, Can you call me Rorschach? <laughs> or can you introduce me as Rorschach?
0: <laughs> there you go. I was go. I was so waiting for uh Robert De Niro to be mentioned when you were talking about the Casting choices.
1: <laughs> as who? Night owl Night Owl Uno? The comedian. <laughs> yeah. No, they're near in the 80s. There you go. But um, this goes to show that this is the kind of movie Joker wishes it was in terms of telling stories of social rejection and how society, society, as Billy Madison would say, Mm -hmm. responds to things of this nature. And I think if this same movie was released today, it would probably be met with more negativity than it was at the time from maybe not a critical perspective but i think from a viewer perspective um because it's not easy it's like uh, this conversation we're having about it right now this it's not an easy movie
0: i think maybe critics yeah i think critics would be maybe nicer to it and the audiences wouldn't yeah but i don't know man i i think that Like I said, it all depends. I think all the people that are burned out on superhero movies would welcome it.
1: Yeah, and and I think that's probably... it's I don't really think that had anything to do with my enjoyment of watching it again, but I think it's... Yeah, I think Joker really screwed up my uh, (laughs) ability to assess these things. When I watched that, knowing all the things people said about it, and I was like... The bar has fallen. We need James Cameron to go to the bottom of the ocean and bring the bar back up for us. Um,
0: If they were to make it today, who would you put instead of Snyder in charge of it? I
1: don't fucking know. I I don't know nearly enough about present-day shit. The Safdie brothers. The Safdie brothers. (laughs) Yeah. Fucking three hours of nonstop. Just just, tension. Yeah. Yeah. Perpetual motion of tension. Uh, Yeah, I don't have my ear nearly close enough to the ground to... Because it, it, like I said, if it was if this movie had never been made and it still this was just floating out there, it's a, it's a risky project to take on, man, because um, I mean, Zack Snyder's lucky it broke even because if this had tanked, like you put your career on the line for like projects like this. I mean, I know he would have found like uh, a place to sleep that night if it had <laughs> tanked. But.
0: So that weekend from the highest of highs
1: <laughs> getting to the meat and potatoes of this and the actual movie itself. Has been mentioned on this podcast, has been mentioned in real conversation, will be till the end of time. There's no way around um, it. The opening credits of this is just unbelievably on the money. One of my favorite things I've ever seen in a movie.
0: Um, very cinematic, very, uh, probably the biggest departure from the graphic novel in the sense that it's just, there's nothing like it in the graphic novel.
1: <laughs> and it, what it does effectively is it it's like the moon's aligning. It puts together every single thing that Zack Snyder loves as a filmmaker. And it all works amazingly. And that to me, I think is like, that's what makes it so great is all the stupid shit that he loves doing as a filmmaker. (laughs) The, the music choices, the slow mo, the the crossfades, the fades in and out, all that, and it it's fantastic. I can't say enough good things about that. And even the actual opening itself, the the scene with the comedian is great. It's good. It has some things that really derail it with the sex scene. Takes you so far out of the movie because it is so bad, and Malin Ankerman is so bad.
0: I I don't think she's she's a weak link, but I don't think she's as bad as you you keep saying cuz you said it a lot <laughs> in the movies
1: i'm sure she's a wonderful person and if she's not i never said that we'll uh, redact <laughs> it from the podcast and i have not really seen her in enough other things to make a fair judgment on her but i can say in this movie it, it, it's not even like she's surrounded by titans of the industry but no but she's but she's
0: surrounded by nearly
1: the weakest she's
0: and, she's surrounded by good actors are playing characters that are more interesting than her character. So she's handicapped already. You know what I mean? Like she, I, I think that she...
1: But I, again, is, the first Avengers movie, you could say the same thing about Scarlett Johansson, but she doesn't bring the movie down.
0: Yeah, but like I, like I said, when you brought that up when we are watching the movie, I'm not going to tell you that Scarlett Johansson or that Malin Ackerman is a better actress than Scarlett Johansson. I think Scarlett Johansson probably has more presence or, or had more presence already than Malin Ackerman. Did at the time. I mean, this was early in her career. Yeah, right? yeah, yeah. And um, and also it, it, Scarlett Johansson, she was still in movies that were kind of even when they she didn't have the focus. Just Whedon was making sure that she had like at least one badass scene. Melanie Ackerman doesn't get any really any big moments here. She gets some slow mo shots. She has she that gets, spin gets, kick some, that she hits. Yeah, she had some fight scenes, but. She gets the part where she bangs her
1: hand on the wall and goes. <laughs> no,
0: no. I think character-wise, the, the script lets her down. And I don't remember how much of it can be traced back to the, the original uh story. I, I don't remember how much Silk Spectre if if in the graphic novel she's as much of a of a uh kind of stereotypical. Female character, and I was telling you that when we were first talking about it, while the movie was still going, where I think that some of it is part of the design of the story, where she's supposed to represent kind of the stereotypical female superheroine that uh-huh. doesn't have much to do other than how she relates to all the male superheroes. But if that's the case, then the point is not made very clearly in the movie, where you can see that that's intentional and that's some sort of commentary on that. Instead, it just comes across as. You know, what's what's her deal? <laughs> and so when you saddle an actress with that, I, th- I think she's doing about as good as she can uh, with what she's given. Uh, a more seasoned actress might have been able to just bring some more juice out of that. But but not a whole lot more. I mean, there's nothing interesting about her character, even though potentially there should be. Right. She's dating Superman. Yeah. But all she does is basically go find a different guy.
1: <laughs> a far less uh, interesting guy. Yeah. Speaking of who, Patrick Wilson's great. I don't think we've ever said a bad word about him on the podcast. Um, Jackie O'Haley Haley as Rorschach. I think he hams it up in some aspects, but I mean... He I has to. You have to for that. Um, Billy Crudup. I mean, like we talked about. I mean, he's got that audible chocolate of a voice that just kind of serenates <laughs> you throughout the movie. Yeah. How do you
0: feel about the constant blue nudity? I was... It doesn't bother me. I, I, if I hardly you, ever know. I will it. say
1: if you went into this movie, having not read that, it probably will take you for a loop. <laughs> You'll be like, uh, what? But again, it's to that point of, um, we did a movie recently. I can't remember who it was, but I talked about it. If I looked like that, I would never wear clothes. So <laughs> might've been, um uh, Batista and Avengers. Cause he never has a shirt on in that movie. Speaking of that though, I, one of the biggest compliments I can give this is it's three hours. And like I said, it almost feels rushed. The story is so immersive and so expanded that it it really feels like it necessitates three hours, unlike uh, Endgame, I thought. No, I'm not.
0: You didn't have any emotional manipulation in the second hour to really... The entire second hour.
1: So uh, yeah, before a hit's put out on me, I'm not saying this is a better movie than Endgame. I'm just saying like I felt the three-hour runtime was absolutely warranted in this. And then uh, one of the big things we got to hit on the changing of the ending uh, with enough time to simmer on it, rewatching this movie. I prefer this one to the book.
0: Me too. I, I don't like even when, and I was talking about this with a friend because we were talking about the show and uh, I've always felt that because the book is supposed to be, you know, a deconstruction of the superhero tropes. And then when you throw the giant squid at the end, I felt like it actually became one of the tropes. <laughs> it, it it just became a little too much of what it was sort of criticizing. Yeah. Um, which I'm sure Alan Moore did it on purpose. And it's just that it's not on my wavelength. But uh to me, it's a lot easier, it's a lot cooler. It's it's even a lot smarter as as a as a plan to turn people against Dr. Manhattan. Uh when you do the giant squid, it's just so silly. Yeah. And maybe you can get away with it and sort of get away with it in the graphic novel because it's just a drawing but seeing it in the movie I think would have been even harder especially with buy. the
1: tone the movie tries to take if yeah. they had done that it, I mean 3 million people die either way so it's like <laughs> yeah and yeah it makes a lot more sense that these countries would put aside their differences and unite to fight like Dr Manhattan
0: versus yeah. and then uh I I mentioned that during Concerns Corner but the the choice to have night owl there when Rorsha gets awesome. killed. It's great. That's a great moment.
1: Yeah. Yeah. I, I definitely liked that uh alteration. Uh we talked about it a lot in Contrarian's Corner. I do want to the soundtrack is, is great. It's classic Zack Snyder. Just wanting to this is the way I want it, so this is the way it's gonna be. But it all works, except at the end when they fucking put that my chemical romance <laughs> song in. I got nothing against my chemical romance. The ghost of you is my shit. But all this 80s music and you know. 60s, 70s, and 80s music. And then we ended on some present day song. I thought that was a really bad choice. Julio can attest. I like got so into when All Along the Watchtower <laughs> came on. I, I just love the way that's all put together. I, I mean, honestly, I, I would give this movie a B, not a B plus or even a B minus, just a solid B because when it succeeds, it really succeeds. When it fails, it really fails. But And it,
0: it swings for the fences. I think that. Uh- I think it was maybe at the end of the Avengers episode that you mentioned that this movie kind of fails for things that the MCU would never try. Yes. And um, you can definitely see that. I mean, for better or for worse, they were just going for it.
1: And that's why I go with the B thing of like the things it fails at, with the exception of the sex scene. We keep harping on it. If you've seen this movie, you know how bad it is. Uh, But the other things it kind of fails at are really and I go back to that word ambitious it's it's a really ambitious movie I think there as a fan of the book I think there are some things that you'll be met with frustration over like wanting it to be a little bit different but I think it for the time it came out and what we were given it's about as much as you could have hoped for uh, to still hold true some of the spirit of the book
0: Um, I told you I had a uh, Watchmen story before it came out my friend, one of my friends I remember, mentioned that, I don't know how, he had gotten into some sort of special screening where, before the movie played, they introduced two different clips, because Star Trek, the J.J. Abrams Star yeah. Trek came out the same year, and so, one was J.J. Abrams introducing a clip from Star Trek, nice. and one was Zack Snyder introducing a clip from Watchmen, and so, I, my according to my friend, the J.J. Abrams clip, you know, uh, Abrams introduction He's just relaxed. He's just, hey guys, I'm going to show you this about Star Trek. Blah, blah, blah. And they show, I don't know which scene from Star Trek. And then Zack Snyder comes on and he's sweating and he looks really <laughs> nervous. <laughs> and he, he doesn't look anywhere near as comfortable with Abrams. And then they show, I think he said they show the the prison break scene, which is kind of a weak scene. Yeah. Um, it's just standard action. There's no character to it. And, uh, and so, ever from then, my friend was telling me, he he was like, ah, yeah, I think Snyder knows that that his movie might not be a hit. Interesting. Uh, I mean, they might be overreading, just some promotional stunt where they just pull Snyder out of bed and like, hey, record this, please. I mean, he's just out of sorts
1: after an all night bender. Yeah.
0: Yeah. Uh, but still, I always remember that because I was rooting for that movie. I mean, I was rooting for both of them, but yeah. I remember at the time thinking, oh, you're taking this out of context. We don't know anything. Uh, but I think my friend was telling me, it's everything what you would expect from the guy that directed 300 in that scene, a slow-mo and just kind of overdoing it. Yeah. Um, I wouldn't pick that scene to sell my movie, to sell this movie. No. But I can see how maybe a studio head would be like, oh, this is what they want. Show him the action scene that makes it look like a superhero movie.
1: Yeah, I guess. I'm trying to think of what I would pick to try to sell the movie.
0: Because I would be thinking of settling it to Watchmen fans. Mm -hmm. I would pick the Doctor Manhattan origin story.
1: God, that segment rules. That That, is amazing.
0: And I remember that was one of the big things, at least for people that knew the graphic novel. We were all wondering, are they going to adapt it? How are they going to do it? Yeah. And I think it translates pretty well. Yeah.
1: Yeah. Yeah, that's a good call. That little five, six minute segment of the origin of Dr. Manhattan is so good. Uh, that's definitely, that would be a good pick. Um, yeah, I, I mean, I, like I said, I come away from this every time. And we just, to no end, about Zack Snyder in here. But every time I kind of have a different sense of appreciation for this. And come away from it, enjoying it. Like I said, uh, a B is what I'll go with. What, what about yourself?
0: Four stars? Maybe four and a half? I don't know. I haven't decided. I... It's not just a sex scene. I think that there is a just that sense of missed opportunity, mm-hmm. and and maybe if he himself, if Zack Snyder himself made remade Watchmen today, or he was offered that opportunity to make Watchmen today, with all the history, you know, in the over the past ten years, maybe he would apply a different sensibility to it, and so, but in two thousand nine. I don't think he had it there. You know, he, yeah. you know, what did he have in 2009? You know, just the dark Knight trilogy, uh, which
1: wasn't even a trilogy yet.
0: Yeah. Um, the Sam Raimi trilogy. Yeah, there you go. The fantastic four movies. I mean, you know, he didn't have enough, I think to really offer uh, a critique of superhero movies. Uh,
1: yeah, the first Iron Man would have been out, but still, no, I mean, yeah. he
0: had no idea how far we were going None of go. us did. <laughs> yeah.
1: <laughs> we were all young and nubile at that point.
0: So, um, but still, I, I watch it and I feel like this is cool. This is this is really good, actually, but there's at times it feels a little hollow. And I don't know. I, I, probably four stars. Last thing, how do you feel about the... Because I think you... I don't remember if you joked about it during Contreras Corner or during... um Well, we're watching it, but as far as overall depiction of female characters.
1: I don't know if, if it rests on... Snyder or
0: uh Or the graphic novel itself. Yeah.
1: It's directed by a dude with a screenplay by two dudes based on a book written by two dudes.
0: <laughs>
1: I'm not trying to justify any of the shortcomings that as far as female representation goes. I'm just kinda it was kind of against them. I think again, I don't I hate to pick on old Malin Ankerman too much. I think they tried to do as much as they could to make her a badass. It's just she's not that, at least in this movie wasn't up to task.
0: Well I think that there's more to being a badass than just having cool action scenes that's the problem and I don't know that Zack Snyder understood that.
1: And it all, that and then it also uh, shatters that badass image when you're just, after you kick a bunch of ass you just get naked and (laughs) have your ass glistening in the moonlight while Leonard Cohen belts in the background
0: (laughs) That's my problem with the soundtrack I, I don't care about my chemical romance at the end, but hallelujah! That's as oh, that, if that scene wasn't bad enough.
1: No, that song's already marred for life uh, for me uh, because of the how they had Kate McKinnon dress up like Hillary Clinton and oh, sing it yeah, on SNL after yeah. the election. So every time I hear that, I already roll my eyes. Well,
0: Watchmen had already happened though, so it <laughs> doesn't matter. <laughs>
1: retroactive history we cannot say enough bad things about that scene but yeah i mean the female representation there's an uncomfortable level of female violence in the movie that i don't remember male on female violence in the movie that i don't remember from the book
0: it's tricky it's
1: done in a way to vilify people
0: yes but at the same time i just is it was it necessary to show him beating the shit out of her i mean did we really because i think that you could get the point across with just like one or two hits yeah
1: even i thought the more egregious one was when uh the comedian just like goes into that group of protesters and the first person he punches in the face is a woman i was just like what the
0: fuck dude because by then you've already seen him try to rape carlo gino and then just he guns like,
1: down that vietnamese woman yeah
0: you expect him to just be the worst no matter what but
1: i guess that's it yeah by that point i was just like he can't get any worse just got worse <laughs> I don't know about female representation, uh, because I didn't watch it through that lens. Obviously it's a it's a male heavy movie. I think the more concerning trend to me in the movie is the male on female violence.
0: Yeah, yeah. I mean when I was asking you, it was, it was the whole thing. Yeah. As far okay. as, yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, so you have women to inspire the man to uh to dress up in a suit again. Yeah. In so that he can have sex, or you have her to be a victim of uh, violence by a piece of shit, man. Yeah that then she falls in love with it's really weird to me that, that and maybe i don't remember if that's more fleshed out in the in the book but that that whole idea that somehow she slept with the comedian after that
1: yeah <laughs> it's, it feels it feels icky
0: yeah
1: yeah i'd be interested to revisit the book after this discussion also that was watchman that was episode 100 hell of a time moving into plugs we have as always our regular plugs First and foremost the Festive Years, who provide our opening and closing tracks. The opening is Last Stand Closing Summer of 99. Uh, Thefestiveyears.com for all your Festive Years needs.
0: Uh, Hans Rothgeiser, man who did our logo. He has two podcasts, Nacion Combi, which is his podcast in Spanish about all things Peruvian. And uh, Living in Peru, uh, which is his podcast about people who moved to Peru. Uh, That one's in English. You can listen to it on iVox. Uh, Nacion Combi is on every podcatcher hands us logos, comics, he writes Uh, he has a website mildemonios.pe that's M-I-L-D-E-M-O-N-I-O-S you can also reach him on Twitter at mildemonios or you can email him at mildemonios at hotmail.com
1: as far as plugs go uh, I was going to talk about Uncut Gems but I think we're having Eddie on again here in the near future onto our podcast I know he was a big fan of it so I was thinking I'd save discussion of Uncut Gems until uh, Edwin Strait Reemerges on the podcast here.
0: I was going to suggest also, because we teased uh, talking about Rise of Skywalker, mm-hmm. but since this is kind of a long episode, I think we can do it for the next one. That's fine. Which will be shorter. The less. Th- <laughs> and maybe we'll just keep pushing it. As Tame Paula
1: says, the less I know, the better when it comes to Rise of Skywalker. <laughs> uh, so with that said, yeah, I'm not really sure I have much of a plug. I don't know what I've been doing this week. I feel like i probably watched something, but I'm blanking on it at this point. Prometheus? Prometheus is dope. You can watch that. Uh, Once Upon a Time in Hollywood's is great. Uh, what else do I get for Christmas? Oh, if you have a PS4, they released a, a two-pack that includes the 16-bit classics, The Lion King and Aladdin. So... If you want to get like really angry at your television and <laughs> harken back to the days of throwing your controller at the wall, definitely pick that up. It's a lot of fun.
0: Rage quitting before rage quitting was the thing.
1: Oh yeah. Well, and the, even with this one, it's even you still kind of cheat it. You can still rage quit, but it saves your progress. But like back in the day, you turned off the console, you had to start from square yep. one.
0: You had to think really hard <laughs> <laughs> before you you follow through on on your threats to your uh, video game system. Uh, my my. Plug I mentioned to you because I couldn't wait to tell you about it next time we record it. So I sent you a link. There's this uh, series of videos on YouTube. Yes, called Pitch Meetings, and I'll put the link on the notes. But you know, if you just go to uh, YouTube and just search Pitch Meeting and then whatever movie, do Joker because that's, uh, <laughs> that's oh, a really it's so funny so good. One. Um, but you can also do like, of Skywalker.
1: He's like this is like the king of comedy. Oh, you've seen that? <laughs>
0: <laughs> yeah, it's basically this guy. He he plays both roles. The roles of the writer pitching to an executive and the role of the executive. And he just cuts back and forth uh, between himself and himself. And uh, it's just basically he takes apart the movie and is really funny. points out everything that's silly about it and how it would have been uh, in a, in a Hollywood pitch meeting. It's, it's, I can't stress how funny it is. Uh, I can't stress it enough. Um, and he has so many, I haven't watched all of them. I watched maybe 20 and there's like a hundred. Oh wow. Yeah. Um, he recently put out one for cats, and it's just great. Nice. So yeah, pitch meeting. Look it up. It's it's really funny, and they're like short videos, like seven to ten minutes.
1: What studio released cats?
0: I have no idea. They probably don't exist by now.
1: I was gonna say I read they were gonna lose seventy to eighty million dollars because of it. Still not as bad as John Carter, <laughs> which lost Disney like two hundred million. Which that wasn't even as bad as Mars Needs Moms.
0: Yes, that lost
1: like two hundred and fifty million.
0: Did you did you get uh, shirts? Oh yeah, with Mars ne- <laughs> yeah.
1: There's some person that bought it's either at the Goodwill up on Lamar or some person <laughs> bought my Mars Needs Moms projection shirt. God bless.
0: Hey, memorabilia only takes you so far.
1: <laughs> the the coolest memorabilia I ever got. It's somewhere in my closet. The uh, Toy Story Three poster signed by the producer.
0: Nice. Yeah.
1: So. That's because our theater got uh, 100% on projection. So there you go. (laughs) All right. So 101.
0: 101 is going to be...
1: Is it duplex? Duplex.
0: Yeah. Yes. uh, Listener request.
1: Yeah. Friend of the podcast, Steve. Not Um, Dr. Death, Steve So originally,
0: we had planned before we did uh, 101, just to close January, we're going to have the Terminator bonus episode. Yes. But it's... We need to reschedule it because Chaz lives in Australia and he will kill us if we do the episode without him. So we're going to record that a couple of weeks from now.
1: Uh, which one is it? Synergy, which is the one that Genesis. I have to watch? Genesis. Okay. So
0: no, I think Genesis we'll watch together. Okay. But it's up to you to to catch up on the other four. Like refresh your memory.
1: Oh, I got Terminator 2 and 3 up here, man.
0: That's
1: <laughs> Terminator 1. What, what am I talking about? The first three. Yeah. I love those
0: movies. Salvation. You're going to have to watch on your own.
1: We'll see. I think. My sister owns it. it really? Up on her shelf. Yeah. You
0: can borrow my Blu-ray.
1: <laughs> no. I'm good. If I bring it all home, I think it was also, uh, what year did
0: that come out? Salvation? Yeah. 2009.
1: It might have also been on the trailer pack for Dark Knight.
0: The year of uh, Watchmen, Star Trek, yeah. Terminator Salvation.
1: Because I remember the trailer had the awesome, like fade in the, the, the reverb, the
0: (laughs) another great trailer.
1: Oh God. Take me back. Okay. Yeah. We're still in the process of figuring out what we're going to do to replace it. Cause how can we really replace Jen? I know
0: we're going to have to do something extra special.
1: Yeah, We'll watch American hustle twice.
0: (laughs) The dreaded American hustle commentary.
1: (laughs) Nope. (laughs) Never. All right. That was episode 100. If this is your first or 100th time listening to contrarians, we appreciate you all the same. Uh, We will continue to be right, while unfortunately you will continue to be wrong. Uh, But we will catch you next time.